Hello and welcome to Devour the Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 127 of Devour the Podcast, your horror fireside reader. Um... How NPR of you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you want to welcome the listener in. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, that voice is uh, Jamie J. Sammons. Welcome, as always, the scooter to my Libby. <laughs> Why, thank you. I am, as always, glad to be here. Excellent. And the Gordon to my Liddy. <laughs> Vanessa McHenry, how are you, ma'am? I'm good. Yourself? Oh, fantastic. I am, uh, for all intents and purposes, this is kind of my Saturday, so I get to spend my uh, Saturday evening uh, hanging out with you guys, talking about uh, horror movies, and, you know, that's cool. Yes. It is. Definitely. Um, so, uh, let's begin... At the beginning, shall we, of a, a jam-packed show. Uh, we got all kinds of shit to talk about tonight. Um, first, let us begin by going around our little table here and discussing uh, something we've been watching lately. And, Jamie, yes, this is always fascinating. Uh, give me something you've been watching that you want to talk about. Well, I have, you know, we're kind of keeping it close this episode and so if i have to pick one thing i guess i'll go with the elephant in the room and that is hereditary i we went out to see that uh la- a week ago and i absolutely loved it i loved it was blown away i thought it was fantastic and yeah it was a really good theater experience so if there are people out there who were waiting on the edges of their seat to hear what I had to say about it, now you know. I mean, I'm sure there's no one that's doing that. But if <laughs> if they were, now they know. I say yes, go see it. <laughs> Jamie says yay. I, well, I was actually going to bring this up later, but since you, you brought up Hereditary, uh, rather than go into it, I, I for a number of reasons, it, ju- it just opened up, and I just haven't been able to get to the theater yet for it. Uh, I was wondering if we wanted to do that as the film next month. I would be delighted. All right. Vanessa? As would I. I just saw it myself. All right. And I was actually going to mention it. All right. It is unanimous, then. Uh, we will keep hereditary discussion to a minimum, because selfishly, I haven't seen it yet. And I don't want you knuckleheads to spoil anything for me. And also, uh, I feel like the, that there is enough conversation around that film that I, I feel like we should give it some due. Um, I agree. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Jamie, give me something else then. I don't want to steal your thunder. 
Oh, well, shoot. That's what I had prepared. Well. <laughs> As did um, I, that was what I had prepared, too. Sorry. Well, fooey. That's why you got to be uh, nimble. I guess so. Got to bob and weave. Uh-huh. <laughs> Other than that, uh, we've just been going through our collection, you know, as we do. And we've been watching this, um, I forget what it's called, the, the collection. Oh, Ancient Evil, in which there are very few films that have anything to do with Ancient Evil. Because, you know, why would, why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, one of them is this old uh, from I want to say it's from seventy two. So it is and an ancient evil. It's one well, right. Uh, it's <laughs> one of uh, John Savage's very first roles. I think it was like his fifth film, but maybe his first leading role. Uh, it was just shortly before he did Deer Hunter. So this was he wasn't anyone yet, and also Cindy Williams was in it. Um, Shirley Feeney of Laverne and Shirley. And I, you know, I'd seen this once before because this was my collection and Brian had never seen it before. So we're watching this and this is a movie that I've never heard anyone talk about, but I do think it's pretty interesting. It's basically, uh, he, there was a, it starts out with a gang rape uh, and he is sort of coerced into joining into this and then he ends up doing a stint in uh, like a two year stint in prison for his involvement with this. When he gets out, he comes home and he has this bizarre relationship with his mother who keeps pushing chocolate milk on him. Like every time you turn around, it's chocolate milk, chocolate milk, chocolate milk, you know, and it's just one of those really weird, uncomfortable mother son relations. It just, you're like, eh. um, more so from her than from him. If she's giving me a steady supply of chocolate milk, mama gets what mama likes. <laughs> But uh, he ends up going for revenge against his lawyer, who he think what well, you know did a shitty job, and also the girl who uh, had who was the victim of the rape. And then you just sort of see him kind of spiraling into a little bit of craziness, and it has sort of a very tragic ending. But it's also one of those endings where you're like, yeah, that's about right. So it's it's just a an old film. No one ever talks about it, but I do think uh, it, I do think it's worth a watch, and I think it's public domain, so it's probably not difficult to track down. It's called The Killing Kind, and uh, I would just be interested to see what other people thought about this film because, also, like I said, it's one of John Savage's early roles, and it sounds vaguely familiar. He, uh, I've always liked it. I've, I mean, it's dark, it's sort of like a psychosexual drama kind of thing, and it's 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 you know pretty dark and pretty it's very 70s i mean you know i mean just picture the 70s and, and you have this film but i yeah i kind of dig it so if anyone out there has else out there has seen it or if anyone wants to see it and then let me know what you think i'd be interested to find out right on I, as soon as you said the title all i can think now is that you know the killing kind is that echo <laughs> the bunny man <laughs> yeah. uh except it was the killing what the killing moon is that the name of that song anyway uh that's not what we're here to talk about sorry everyone vanessa save me what have you been watching um i have been unfortunately incredibly consumed with work and other than getting to go to the theater to see hereditary i haven't been able to watch a lot of movies lately and when i have it's been just mostly documentaries that i've had on the background but when I haven't 
worked. I'm not really watching a mov- movies. I'm just um, rewatching Twilight Zone episodes. Ain't and, nothing uh, wrong with that. Ain't no shame yeah, in that game. I know. I do that every once in a while where I will just go through, like, burn through, like, seasons after season. And um, I was re- rewatching that one the other night where they takes place in New Orleans on Mardi Gras and they have to wear the masks and they put them on be- and then when it turns midnight they're quote unquote supposed to take the masks off and you see that they're mat- their faces they- it's- then all of a sudden they'll get the money they'll inherit the money of uh, the grandfather or whatever yeah you know all right I gotta tell you one of my my secret favorite Twilight Zone episodes uh, another one that I don't feel like gets talked about a ton Mm-hmm. It's the one with Robert Redford where he's deaf and uh-huh. and falls down the stairs and the old woman who won't let anybody in let finally lets him in to help and the whole thing is this story about her helping her transition into death. Right. Oh, love that one. Holy shit, well, that's good. What's good is that Netflix has all these seasons streaming and there are episodes that you don't usually get to see if you're watching like a marathon or something um, like on Sci-Fi Channel or something. Sure. There's some of those epi- episodes like that that you don't you haven't seen that often that are really just incredible. Yeah. Right. You're you're like if you're watching the marathon, don't worry your pretty little head about it. None. You're going to get five no. characters in search of an exit. Right. And the, <laughs> the, you know the monsters on Maple Street or whatever. But yeah, you you want right. the, you want the pure shit. You want, <laughs> you want the stuff Rod Serling real like those episodes where he really had an axe to grind about something. And right. It's like this is a thinly veiled metaphor for uh, McCarthyism. Exactly. <laughs> Rod Serling was just pissed. There's actually I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast. Uh, 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 Dana Gould, the comedian, has an mm-hmm. excellent podcast. And um, kind of inspired in a lot of ways, a lot of the stuff I do, like on Hero Hero, where there's the informational piece in the middle of the show. And right. because he kind of does the same thing, which is, uh, so yeah, I ripped it off. Fuck you. Um, but uh, he did one on Rod Serling that was particularly mm-hmm. interesting because Serling couldn't get work in television without it being something supernatural. Right, which is why they're all morality tales because that's really what he did. But mm-hmm. you know, it had to have the spooky ending or something. And um, well, and then I've like been throwing on some of those Ray Bradbury theater episodes too, and I some of those I hadn't seen or I totally didn't remember. And oh my god, those are just they're poor substitute. They're still good stories. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ray Bradbury, though, with Rod Serling was the winning combination. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, Like, Night Gallery ain't no Twilight Zone. Um, Right. But did you ever see the, the, geez, was it 80s or maybe early 90s, that reboot of Twilight Zone? Um, It was the mid-80s, and I loved that one. Yeah, it had some good stuff, too. There was one episode from that that really sticks in my memory. It was the one with uh, Funny Man Robert Klein, where mm-hmm. as throughout a day, people just start using the different or the wrong word for things as he perceives it. Right. And by the end of it, 
he can't understand anyone. And the episode ends with his son, like showing him flashcards to kind of reteach him the language. It was mm-hmm. really fascinating. I, I, I've always wanted to go back and watch it because it's, it's stuck out in my mind. And now I'm kind of afraid to because maybe it won't be very good. Right. Right. Yeah, that's happened. I I always loved the episode where the woman had the power to stop time. And it was also uh, the nuclear attack episode so like she stops time at one point and the missile is in the air like you can she looks up and you can see the missile so if she if she restarts time then you know gonna die if she doesn't restart time then she's stuck forever being the only one on the planet um while everyone else is there but they're just in not in motion so I always thought that was a particularly effective episode, particularly back then, because every, I've talked about mm-hmm. it, you know, full stop, everyone knows how I feel about, or how I, all the crying myself to sleep at night, you know, afraid of the nuclear bomb back in the day. And, um, but at the time, that was a very effective episode for me, and it scared the daylights out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, what have you been watching, Bo? Oh, well done. Flawless segue. So, I was watching uh, The Neon Demon. I finally caught up to that movie. And um, I felt that way, uh, the the way I feel about kind of all Nicholas Winding Refn films, which is, eh, it's alright. I mean, it's pretty. I wish it were 30 minutes shorter. Yeah. I felt yeah, I didn't dislike the film, but I feel the same way. Like I, it definitely could have been shorter. Yeah. I really enjoyed the movie, but it could have been shorter, definitely. Yeah, I, I yeah, there were there was a lot I liked about it. I just wish he had a more aggressive editor. Um, uh, yes, yes, <laughs> that seems to be a problem that I've run into with quite a few. Like I think the Love Witch suffered from. The same thing. Aesthetically, that film was yes. gorgeous. It was perfect. Shit, like she yeah. nailed she mm-hmm. nailed it. But it was too fucking long. And there were things in there that just did not need to be. I'm like, honey, you need to hire an editor. Because clearly you cannot do it yourself. You know, and I get that. It's your work. Everything you you know, you feel like everything you did has purpose and everything you did needs to stay. It's difficult to edit yourself at times. But those are when those are the times when people need to recognize that about themselves and get someone else to do the work because I think it could have been a perfect film if it were edited a little better. And also, there's apparently like a three-hour cut of that film that she initially wanted to put out. Oh, <laughs> like, God. I'm like, Oof. no, God, please, no. no. <laughs> hey, no. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of time for The Love Witch. I think it's, it's a very clever and aesthetically beautiful film. But I agree yes. with everything we're saying here, which is, hey, if that movie came in at a smooth 100 minutes, I would like it a lot more. Yeah, sure. Right, right. And uh, Refn, what I found interesting is that in my discussions with people who have watched his films, it tends to be like this. And I... I'm not saying it's across the board and it's, you know, foolproof, but I'm just saying in my experiences, it tends to be that women seem to fall more for Neon Demon and men seem to fall more on the drive side. And 
I because Brian absolutely loves Drive, for instance. I thought it was okay. I, was like, I, oh, it was okay. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about it too. I think it's okay. But I, um, we were ex- like exact opposite on Neon Demon. I didn't like freakishly love it or anything, but I I did enjoy it, and I get what he was trying to say, and I appreciated it, and you know I do think it was too long, but I overall I enjoyed it more. And then other people I've talked to, it's just kind of it just seems to be that way. Like Drive seems to be the man movie. I don't know. Well, it's got a dude with a cool jacket doing heist <laughs> and shit. Like I, I understand that part of it. I just wish, <laughs> I just wish it were a better movie about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really like uh, Albert Brooks a lot in it. I think everyone kind of does. Yes, but yeah, there's a lot of that movie where I'm like, just get on with it. Yeah, they again needed an editor, a better editor. Yeah. Um. Hey, so we're going to do a new thing tonight uh, where we're uh, trying to capitalize, if you will, on uh, something that happened last week where somebody asked us to rank some shit. Uh, In that case, it was the uh, uh, Platinum Dunes remake horror films as well as Rob Zombie's Halloween. And I thought that was kind of fun. So before we jump into the news, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to rank some stuff, and this is uh, listener-provided, God willing. Um, Otherwise, I'll have to come up with some stuff. But for tonight, we have something from uh, Abraham Ram. Says, uh, just very simply, rank these films from favorite to least favorite. So we got got four movies. You rank the order. Those All mo- I want to say is be careful throwing this out there to the listeners because before you know it, we'll be ranking pudding flavors. <laughs> it's got to be horror related. Let's <laughs> let's put that there. Right. Um, so the, the, your movies are The Babadook, The Witch. Oh, I knew it. This is what he's doing. Crim- uh. Crimson Peak. Oh. It Follows. Hmm, that's, that's, son of a bitch. That's a good day of movies right there. It is, but he looks like he's tapped into the prestige horror list, as I'm using my finger quotes over there because I want to strangle the person that came up with that term. <laughs> yeah, that's What's real. The, what was the first one again? The Babadook. Babadook. Babadook, <laughs> Witch, Crimson Peak, It Follows, <sighs> Jamie. Oh, okay. And, and it's favorite to least favorite? Uh, however, you, you tell me. You tell me okay, where well, you're starting. I think that's what he said, so we'll go with that. We'll go favorite to least favorite. So I'm going to say The Witch, It Follows, The Babadook, and Crimson Peak. Okay. So that's uh, Witch, It Follows, Babadook, Crimson Peak. Yes. All right. All right. I'm, I'm almost with you. Uh, Vanessa... How do you rank these films? Um, okay. My least favorite is Crimson Peak. Uh-huh. Then... Then... Uh, uh, see, this also depends on the day of the week. Um, <laughs> kind of my mood that I'm in. Then... I guess... Yeah... I guess Babadook, It Follows, and then The Witch. 
Which which is number one you're oh. saying? Yeah. Oh, so that was my list. Yeah. Oh, All right. Nice. The thing is, is that I, I th- which I think would still stay at number one, but the two and three would change back and forth depending on the day of the week. And I totally get that. <clears throat> I do totally yeah. get that. Those films are neck and neck. Because, because they have very distinct... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. They have very distinct moods that are different. Yes. I mean, just... And have, themes. Right. So. And it just would depend on the mood that I'm in, like, what I'm going to sit down and watch first. Like, I had given a choice between those two. That's what I mean. Yeah. I, all right. So I'm mostly with you guys. I, I go The Witch, number one. Then Babadook. Then It Follows. And lastly, Crimson Peak. Which feels okay. like we are given short change to Crimson Peak. It's a great oh, movie. No, it is a great movie. It really is. It's, but it's interesting yeah. that he threw that one in the mix because I was fully, I mean, that one honestly hit me sideways when he said that because I was yeah. fully expecting it to be, I mean, there are all these movies that, that everyone throws together and it's always The Witch, The Babadook and It Follows. And then, you know, you can fill in various other ones, like whatever the big movie of the year was. Never is it Crimson Peak. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't exactly. expecting that. No, uh, that's interesting. But I did really like the film. I yeah, I don't think it hangs with the other three think, though. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's in the same. I don't think it's the same caliber. And I love Del Toro, so this has nothing. No slight on him. Right. I just don't feel that it's the same as the other films. You know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you throw like a, a guest or green room in there, and now you got something. Uh, but I think, or for <laughs> me, um, Devil's Candy. Okay, sure. I, I mean, in which case, if you throw Devil's Candy in there, then that really that knocks everyone down a peg, and it jumps to number one for me. But, really? Yeah, you got that I much love, love for that Devil's movie. Candy. Okay, I do. I do. I even reached out to the filmmaker over that film directly, and, and I was like, and his lawyer and, said, <laughs> "We've told you already. Stay away." All right, that tracks. No, he was very appreciative of of my comments on that, and um, yeah. Um, but that is; those are all solid. I wonder. I wonder why those particular films. Uh, I don't know, but you know, I Let like us it. Know, man, man. Uh, but I, man, I don't. I don't care what you throw on that list. Uh, short of going back, you know, to the classics, I think The Witch is just outstanding. Oh, it and it, well, and that's the thing is, the Devil's Candy is the only thing that I can think of in recent years that would knock it out of first place, and that's just because I, I have such an incredibly deep, uh, unnatural love for the Devil's Candy, <laughs> but, and I'll fully admit that. <laughs> well, if you're talking about something in recent years, the only thing that would knock the witch out of place for me would be Get Out. Oh yeah, there. You, yeah, you got a conversation there, but. Man, I watched The Witch again recently, and that movie unsettles me in a way. It's not outright right. terror. There is no. just this unnerved, uncanny feeling all mm-hmm. through that movie that mm-hmm. pays off, I think, really well. I just, I, I don't have enough good things to say about it. I think The Witch is, is one of the strongest horror movies in the past decade. I agree. I totally agree. It, Agreed. It's... The day that I watched it, and every time I've watched it since, it leaves me just feeling 
I don't know, just, uh, you know, I mean, it tapped into something very old with me uh, on a personal level. And because that image of the crone in particular was straight out of the storybooks that I would read as a little girl and the stuff that would keep me up at night. And I loved it for that, you know, because, duh. But I, <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. It's the that's the, it's just he tapped right into my nightmares. I used to have nightmares about witches, and uh, that particular vision is plucked straight out of my head. So it hit me on a very visceral, personal level, yeah. like you know, like few others are able to do. You know, so yeah, I don't. I mean, I know that there are people out there who don't think it's scary at all, and I get that because fear is subjective, and it it all depends on the individual. I don't happen to think home invasion films are scary. There are some people out there who really, really do. And that, you know, that's, you know, whatever. That's cool. I get that. So I understand that some people don't think The Witch is scary. But for me personally, (laughs) it just, it taps right in. It scares the crap out of me. So, yeah. It's because it's so unsettling. It is. It really is. Yeah, that, that scene where they're exercising the boy. Oh, that scene. Yeah. Is, oh, man, that's. That's the pure shit for me right there. You you <laughs> distill that in a bottle and I'll drink it all day long. Uh, well, real, uh, real quick, since I did actually touch on it, uh, I'm just curious. As, and it doesn't have to be like a long uh, treatise on it or anything. But do are, are, are either of you familiar with this term prestige horror? And if so, what do you think of it? Uh, I Yeah, I've heard it. And I think it's a, I, I think it's a stupid kind of distinction. Um, I, I think prestige horror implies, on, on the one hand, I agree that that implies like, hey, this isn't just a slasher movie. On the other hand, I would just call it by whatever genre it fits into. You know, is it supernatural horror? Is it psychological horror? Uh, right. You know, that kind of thing. That I, I Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like mm-hmm. it. Vanessa? I, I Yeah, I heard it. I think it's stupid. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, you you put it into a you put horror into categories of yes, supernatural versus yes, serial killer, you know, killer baby, whatever. <laughs> you know, that's what that's just the way it is for me, and it's always going to be, even if some group of people comes up with a term like this. Well, I think did you see my post in the Skeleton Crew? I feel like you did. I didn't. You know, okay. I made a post in the Skeleton Crew when this came uh, because, it, and all right, I've seen it a couple times in the last week or so, people dropping this term. And what really set me off was this article from Vice. And the title of the article was How Horror Evolved from Slasher to Drama. And basically, within the article, he goes on to talk about, oh, first of all, the title leads one to believe that horror began with slasher films. What uh what what publication is responsible for this? It's Vice. Oh, okay. Well. Vice Canada. Um and yeah, I mean, yeah. Um <laughs> but I and then basically he goes on to talk about just sort of I'm loosely paraphrasing then he says basically, you know, horror filmmakers are tricking us now into watching dramas, you know, by by slipping them in, you know, slipping in some horror tropes. And, you know, and I'm just, it infuriates me because you're talking as if this is something we haven't been doing for about a hundred years. 
you know, we in the horror genre, like, and I, to the guy, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You don't know horror. I can tell. I can tell by the examples that you used in your article. I can tell by, I mean, it's just reading the article. This is not a horror fan. And you know that. And I feel like he's one of those people that feel like, that feels like horror is beneath him until recently. In recent years, when we've had this barrage of cerebral horror films, you know, and they, these films have come along and they're wonderful, but we've always had cerebral horror. This is not a new thing. And it's not the only thing that's out there right now. Of course it's not. I mean, so this is someone who is clearly ignoring that. That's why I'm like, this is bullshit. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he, he's picking and choosing the things that he wants to. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And if you read the article, you know, he refers to things like, Peeping Tom as meta horror. Like, what? Like, it's like, you know, like meta horror, like Peeping Tom or Scream. Like, what? Mm, I mean, uh, you could stretch the argument, I suppose. You could stretch it real fucking far if you wanted to, but I don't buy it. And it's just, I don't know. Right, but it... it it begs the whole the, thing pissed me off. It begs the question, like, well, does that make, like, Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now from 1973? Is that prestige horror? I mean, it's one of the most well-regarded films of all time, as well as being one of the great horror films of all time. Well, don't ask him that, because I guarantee you he's never seen it. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, yeah. Right. But, the, thing. but the, the number of times in any given day where I have to you know, stop and count to 10 and, <laughs> and not comment on, and not like somebody, some other dumbasses comment below the article, but like the author themselves of just like, this is poorly written and poorly researched. And, yeah. and you're just doing yourself a disservice because if anyone knows, like we know far more than this, this writer does, about the genre that he is trying to pose as an authority on. And that's the thing that pisses you off is like, I, even if you don't like horror movies, that's fine. Just do the research, just get the information right. That it's not suddenly there are these dramatic, grounded horror films. The fucking Exorcist was yeah. a drama at the time, you know? It just happened to be a horror film, too. And, you know, I, yeah, it does, it, it raises your blood pressure, no doubt about that. But the thing, I, I think that the, the approach has to be, you have to be the outlet that doesn't do that shit. You know, that is just the, the, uh, the signpost telling you do not enter that like, oh, for sure. you know, like the stuff I do has to be better than that. So, soapbox done. Um, <laughs> um, well, I guess then the main thing is he was painting these newer films as like, you know, the first to tackle grief and loss, you know, in, in The Babadook or The Witch with Paranoia. And I'm just like, there's so many films I could rattle off the top of my head that have done that already. And if you bothered to scratch the surface just a little bit, you don't even have to go obscure with these films. I'm talking The Thing. I'm talking The Changeling. You don't have to... Repulsion, you if you want to talk about paranoia. <laughs> oh my god, that's a perfect... Pop my mind. That's a perfect example. So yeah, you don't have to really dig very deeply to come up with 
these examples. But basically, I'm like, you know, he, you obviously haven't bothered to give the genre any of your consideration. So don't attempt to wax intellectual on it because you don't, you haven't bothered to find out anything about it and you clearly don't know anything about it so basically shut up and um the interesting thing is he was getting his ass handed to him on twitter i looked it up just to see if uh, on twitter just to see if there were any responses and uh the horror fans have come out and loud and strong and they were pissed so that makes me happy yeah i i my my move there is i make a note of the uh the author of the article like, don't what? ever do that again? No, no. Yeah, <laughs> I just, like, I literally write the name down so I'll remember it. And when I see their byline, I'm just like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. And I don't read any more of their shit. You know? Yeah, well, that's a smart move. See? See? You learn things here. Um, <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, accidentally. <laughs> it's never on purpose. Well, exactly. Uh, hey, speaking of learning things, we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come right back with the news. How about that? Cash me with the news. How about that? Be quiet a second, will you? It's 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 9 o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man. Game over. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> okay, welcome to the news. Uh, first up, we have Fede Alvarez says he'll make another Evil Dead if Uruguay wins the World Cup. Okay, I don't follow football at all so and and i mean soccer but i'm trying to to not piss off the rest of the world (laughs) (laughs) so i have no idea if that is sarcasm (laughs) do they uh like do they expect this to happen is this a thing that could happen you know or is everybody like i don't know what their standings are like i it's not the sport that i follow yeah so neither me neither but i think Uh, i think it's interesting (laughs) no it is funny it hasn't been a great year so far for fans of the evil dead franchise while the delayed third season of ash versus evil dead finally aired its ratings were terrible leading stars to finally drop the cancellation acts on the underperforming series shortly after the cancellation came another sad announcement when genre legend bruce campbell announced that with ash versus evil dead finished so was his time portraying Beloved chainsaw-wielding deadite slash, uh, slayer, sorry, slayer, slayer Ash Williams. Which, I don't really, I mean, if the series is gone, what what more do people want from him? Is he just supposed to walk down the street as Ash? Like, yeah. yeah. You, want, yeah. <laughs> you should be allowed to bow out gracefully. Like, leave, leave the fans so. one more. You know. uh, with Ash's run seemingly done, many fans have turned back toward 2013's widely praised remake of the original Evil Dead, directed by Fede Alvarez. A sequel to that film has been teased for years, but nothing has ever materialized. Recently, Alvarez polled fans on social media on what his next horror project should be, a sequel to 2016's Don't Breathe, or a sequel to Evil Dead. Needless to say, Evil Dead won by a landslide, although it's unclear if that means any progress on it is happening. 
couple days back, a clever Evil Dead fan proposed a deal to Alvarez on Twitter. If Uruguay, Fede Alvarez's home country, wins the World Cup, the director makes Evil Dead 2. Surprisingly enough, Alvarez replied, agreeing to those terms. One wonders if that means an Evil Dead sequel is already in the works, as there wouldn't be much point to teasing it if the film wasn't going to happen. Or if he knew for a fact that Uruguay had no chance in hell of winning the World Cup. I mean, that, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, plus, Uruguay has won the World Cup before and could definitely do so again. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, for now, we're left to wait and see. So, yeah, I saw that pop up on YouTube a couple days ago, and I was like, that might actually be interesting to me if I <laughs> knew at all <laughs> what that meant. I mean, like, it... I have no idea. And I said, well, I guess I could look into it. And then I said, nah. <laughs> so, uh, it's just not a sport that I've ever been interested in. But I'm sure some of our listeners are. So, someone out there, tell me, do they have a good chance of doing this? Has it already happened? I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, no, World Cup's still going on. But, okay. Um, it, and the thing is, is that in New York, that even if you're not into it, you can't avoid World Cup coverage because mm -hmm. you'll just be walking down the street and every, like every place will like corner bodega restaurant like bar whatever places that normally don't have sporting stuff on will have it on and like there are big events around it it's just kind of crazy I, I know it's still going on but I don't know where you know what their the country's standings are yeah, I mean, let's all be honest with each other here. Soccer is a dull, dull sport in which very little <laughs> happens. No, it's not. As, well, I wouldn't know because I don't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I played soccer as a child, as you're legally required to do. And then once my <laughs> tour of duty was done, I never looked back. You never looked back. I never played soccer. I never went to a soccer game. I have absolutely... I know Pele. I know the name. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I have no... And I know that the UK are kind of nuts <laughs> about their football teams. Which I think is... I do actually adore that. I love the whole idea of hooliganry. I think I made that word up. But I... No. I, do, I love that they get so into it. And... Um, I kind of wish that I did too, you know, but probably the closest I've ever come to being interested in a game is listening to them talk about it in Dog Soldiers. Oh, sure. And that's as close as, I, as I've come <laughs> to being interested. I just, I'm just not. So, so we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're... And also, yes, I think uh, the the writer of this article is correct. Either there is no chance in hell, as Jamie suggests, that Uruguay is going to win uh, the, the World Cup, or, hey, they're already doing this uh, because no executive in Hollywood would be like, hey, uh, Fede, do you want to make this Evil Dead sequel? And him being like... Wait a second. Let me see how Uruguay does. <laughs> and they'd be like, fuck or, you. We'll find yeah. another director. Or be willing to fund a picture based on something he lost on a he lost a bet. Uh, right. You know, it's like, exactly. look, I lost this bet. I gotta make this movie. You guys give me some money for Precisely. it. <laughs> Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> okay. Uh 
Coralie Fergat's Revenge hits Blu-ray and DVD this August. Writer-director Coralie Fergat? I think it's like Farge. 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 Coralie Farge. Coralie Farge. It's like Strange. That's right. Strange, everybody. Strange. Pussy, pussy, pussy. Revenge, starring Matilda Anna, Ingrid Lutz, and Kevin Jensen, will be hitting Blu-ray and DVD via Universal Studio Home Entertainment on August 7th. You can check out the cover art to the... Well, you can look it up. And they there is also a Red Band trailer that you can look that up, too. After that, make sure to... Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you can hit us up and let us know what you think. Yeah, I uh, have you seen Revenge? Have we talked about this? I feel like we talked about this movie. Have we? I maybe not. Maybe I don't not. Think it could so. be. It could I be a false memory. So. I have a lot of weird dreams. So, <laughs> uh, the government. Yeah, <laughs> I've been incepted. Um, <laughs> I, so, Revenge is a pretty rocking, like modern exploitation movie, and it it's really well done. It has an outstanding in chase sequence it's cool like if, if, if you haven't seen revenge you should absolutely see revenge it, it's the way to do that kind of movie these days i saw prevenge that was really different good. yeah it is a good movie different movie yes. though yeah. <laughs> this is this is more about a pretty young american girl that gets brutalized by some old french dudes tossed out into the desert may or may not have become possessed by some ancient Phoenix spirit and then murders all of them. It is great. Well, I definitely want to see it. No, it's on my to watch list, but I haven't gotten the opportunity to, to actually sit down and watch it yet. Yeah. Everyone in that movie contains about 12 gallons of blood. It, (laughs) It is a sloppy movie. Fun. I also really dig revenge flicks, just on the whole. Yeah, yeah. So, and but that's the thing is sometimes they kind of teeter into that. Like, am I supposed to be titillated by this rape scene because that makes me uncomfortable? And I so this movie I, I think does a, a good job of letting you know what's going on without it being like, look everybody, look at her tits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good to know. Yeah. I definitely want to check it out then. Yeah, that's the back of the uh, where... box quote. Not a look at her tits movie. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I, and so I saw that it's coming out on Blu-ray. And, and do you, do, is it streaming somewhere now, currently? Yeah, I got it on Amazon. I think it was, you know, five or six bucks or whatever uh, to okay. rent it. But I, I, someone had told me, like, hey, this is a good uh, kind of postmodern exploitation film, and I'm always down for one of those. I think I think if the material is approached in the right way, I love those movies, and I and I thought Absolutely. this was great. Absolutely. Okay. Sounds good. Well, next up, Wes Craven's Scream Four will be joining the other sequels on Netflix in July. So that means if you are dying to go through the Scream series and you've been stalling because you don't have a way to watch Scream 4, because that's the thing that happens these days. <laughs> There's always a way to watch something. <laughs> um, but now, you know, never fear. You know, at first I didn't like Scream 4. When I saw it in the theater, I did not like it. And then the more I watched it, the more I do appreciate it. And 
it actually ranks well it ranks a hell of a lot higher than scream 3 which i absolutely don't like but any hoodle uh that's going to be available july 7th all right yeah uh i haven't I, I haven't seen scream 4 in a while i don't necessarily remember it very fondly but i you know i'd give it another day in court maybe there was one thing that irritated me about it, and <laughs> and this sort of became a running joke on the skeleton crew because basically she's like, "You can tell I'm a horror fan because I have Suspiria," and I mean she didn't yeah. say that, but someone was at her house and they're like, "Oh, you have Suspiria? Like, oh, you must be a horror fan." And I was just like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, yes, I don't know of anyone who's not a horror fan who would have a copy of Suspiria. True enough. But she had like seven movies, <laughs> and one of them was Suspiria. I just thought, I don't know, it was just, it irritated me. But the more I watched it, the more I've grown to appreciate it, so. All right. All right. Uh, next up, Dear White People director's horror film Bad Hair is a tribute to black women. Justin Semien appeared on IndieWire Filmmaker toolkit podcast to talk about season two of his netflix series dear white people where the writer director showrunner revealed that before going back to work on season three he will shoot his long-planned horror film bad hair bad hair follows a girl from compton who doesn't have the right look she doesn't have the right hair she doesn't have the right face she doesn't have the right skin color she wants to be a vj in the late 80s early 90s and she makes a bit of a Faustian bargain with this woman who takes over the network where she's at and uh, and she ends up with this hair this weave in her head that may or may not have a mind of its own and that uh was not at the premise that was at the writing sorry no <laughs> sure. I even okay <laughs> even though it reminds me of the or not me but the writer here even though it reminds this person of the J horror craze the site notes that he described the film as being, quote, cheeky and in the tradition of horror satires like Rosemary's Baby, The Separate Wives, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Get Out. He also added the film is a tribute to his mother, aunts, and the other black women in his life. Quote, to quote him, it's my way of taking my frustration of what I feel like black women are going through who we rely on for so much politically, culturally, just in terms of the family dynamic, and we put them through hell. We make them suffer quiet little deaths just to be seen in our culture, and I wanted to translate that in my own way into a very weird horror satire love letter to that experience. Simeon tells the pod that he has already started casting and will shoot this summer. All right. that I mean... I don't think I've seen that movie before, and I that automatically makes me a little intrigued. I'm actually totally on board because I love the movie Dear White People, and the series is really, really good. Um, so I I think it's in capable hands, and I think this is a very interesting. I mean, it could be a very interesting premise. Yeah, there's, I agree. The, uh, there's a touch of that Sion uh, Sono film X Day. Which mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with. I think that movie is pretty great. And it's it, the idea of, hey, there is a, certainly a satirical aspect to this film. Um, yeah, I think I, 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 I'm very curious to see what that movie is. Good on him for doing this for the women in his life. 
that have made a difference in his life. Because I think whenever you do something, any piece of art with that much heart behind it and that much meaning, like personal meaning, then you're bound to get something good. So just knowing that this means that much to him, I'm looking forward to it because I can't imagine it would be bad. Um, okay, E3's trailer for Maneater makes you the shark. Thank you, Vanessa, for this story. <laughs> Thank you, what? I was thanking Vanessa for this story because clearly oh. this was aimed at me. Yes, I'm aware of this game. Yes, I can't wait to play it. <laughs> it I actually great. didn't know that, but <laughs> I um, thought it would at least appeal to one of you. Yeah, well, actually, it does. But what what I think is that when I read the, the title of the article, the first thing that popped into my mind was the PlayStation 2 game for Jaws in which you were the shark. And so I was like, huh. So I wonder if this is going to be different from that because I had a hell of a good time with that game. I mean, you got to wreck fishing villages. You got to eat divers. That shit was fun. Yeah, but, um, that's did certainly- you play that? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I I, I thought it kind of controlled like shit, but... No, it did. Oh, it did. <laughs> but... Because the first thing you have to do is escape from that scientific facility where you have to, like, get up over the wall and... Do, I mean, it was just a real pain in the ass, control, like, control-wise. But, um, I did think it was fun. Like, once you actually got out into the ocean and once you could wrangle the controllers and figure it out, then I had a good time with it. Oh, sure. I am. Anytime you are playing a game where you are a giant thing, what eats people? Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course, that's up your alley. A hundred percent. And and like the way they describe the game, they're like, yeah, if you eat more people, you, you become a bigger, deadlier shark. And I'm like, that's all you have to say. That I am a hundred percent bought in at this point. It is me eating people until I am the biggest shark possible potentially a megalodon and then i just eat the world and that's where the game ends well it's in this game they unleash a bloodthirsty shark into open water as he evolves to become the deadliest dude of the sea there is also a sweet trailer which i have not watched yet but according to this article it is a sweet trailer um it's clear that you spend your time roaming both salt and freshwater bodies of water in search of bodies of blood if that's if that's the case, you must be a bull shark if you're going in freshwater and salt water. And if and if you're gonna be pedantic about it. Or um, maybe you're just a super <laughs> shark, Jamie, that don't care maybe what kind so. of water you're in. Maybe so. Uh anyway, so look up that trailer. I plan on watching that a little bit later because sounds interesting to me. And then somehow I missed that announcement. I did I did my fair share of E three watching this year and I'm excited about quite a few things, but Namely, oh my god, Resident Evil 2. Holy crap, that looks beautiful. Yep, that looks pretty good. Um, but somehow I missed this one, so I will definitely be putting a pin in that and watching it myself a little later. Did you see the, have you seen the, did you see the reveal for this game? I did. On okay. How does it look to you? Uh, you know, it looks kind of indie, but that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah, pixel well, art or anything, but. It's coming out on Steam. First, and then they're hoping to get some console backing a little bit later. But yeah, but I think it, I, I thought the trailer looked cool. It looked very over the top and bloody and fun. Nice. Well, I can't argue with that. Okay. Well, we're going to round out the news uh, this episode with 
something that sort of pre-answers, I think, one of our Ask DTP questions, and that is five awesome LGBTQ horror short films for Pride Month. Oh my goodness, how do you pronounce that? Piotr? Piotr? Piotr 49? Yeah, I think it's like Peter. Pete, okay. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm... Starting with the first one, it's Peter 49, possibly 495, uh, directed and written by Black Mawson. Uh, This film stunned audiences on a festival circuit for over a year with its brutal storytelling and unexpected twists and turns. Set in the all-too-real setting of modern-day Russia and its intolerant laws against the LGBTQ community, Mawson highlights one of the terrible side effects of this prohibitive environment. It seems that following the signing of these laws, small groups of anti-gay nationalists would lure gay men and women to their homes in order to beat and humiliate them, videotaping their exploits and uploading them to the internet. Internet. This film takes viewers inside just this kind of situation, but this group had no idea who or what they had brought into their home until it was too late. Oh, I like the sound of that. Uh, next is Daisy, directed by Camille Dunn for Crypt TV. Daisy is the story of a young lesbian couple of who have recently moved into their first home together of course this is a horror film so no one can anticipate so one can anticipate pretty quickly why they get got such a good deal on the home it seems that a family of extreme religious conservatives lived there before and they might never have left daisy is a taught little ghost story that is well worth a watch and that sounds incredible too i will definitely be checking that out um tonight it's you dominic haxton created one of the most terrifying and beautiful short films When he brought Tonight It's You to life, this film is a sequel of sorts to Haxon's previous Tonight It's Me, but he went in an entirely different direction than in the first film. CJ sets out for a hookup late one night, but soon finds himself in the middle of a situation he never could have imagined. This is a tale of possession, religious fanaticism, and so much more. Final Girls. What if the Final Girls in a horror film were a lesbian couple? If they could only be, if there could only be one survivor, how would you decide that? Those are the questions Michelle Hansen asked her short film Final Girls, a hilarious horror comedy short that grew out of a sketch she wrote for her theater troupe in Ohio. I kind of think that should be easy to answer. Whoever's the sluttiest one is the one who dies. That was a joke. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> In its own way, Final Girls approaches the questions that I've based our Horror Pride Month series on. If we want to be in the genre and we want to be equal, shouldn't we get used to the fact that we're going to be both victims and villains from time to time? Then is The Quiet Room, written and directed by Sam Weinman. The Quiet Room is an intense look at mental illness and its effects. A gay man named Michael attempts suicide and wakes to find himself in a mental hospital. That's only the beginning of his problems, however, as he soon learns that an evil spirit by the name of Hattie haunts the quiet room of this particular hospital, and she has an acquired taste for hopeless men who attempt to take their own lives. Oh, the film also boasts none other than RuPaul's Drag Race alum Alaska Thunderfuck, in the role of Hattie, and oh my god, that is the greatest name ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alaska is simply amazing as the spirit who isolates and solely, sol- slowly drains the will to live from her chosen victims. And that's it. That's the fifth one. Yeah. Uh, the, the You're right. The name Alaska Thunderfuck is probably <laughs> the greatest name ever. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and uh, obviously great to provide exposure to those films. I'm just taking a moment to uh, point out that if you head over to legionpodcasts.com, uh, a number of the uh, the shows on the network th- this month are doing, uh, you know, Pride-themed episodes. So um, if you want to explore this more, we'll talk about it a little more here in a minute as well. But, uh, you know, head over there and check out some other stuff, too. Excellent point. I recommend they do that. Thank you. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it's weird as we go through this list. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I, I heard of The Quiet Room because I had seen a previous article about Alaska Thunderfuck. And you don't forget <laughs> that name. And I was like, wow, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously the fact that more people, the, the, you know, the democratization of filmmaking and more people can, can make films with a little bit less effort or a little bit less grind to it. Um, and, and being able to just kind of share their perspective on, on horror films only makes the genre better. Yes. I completely agree. I think we need all the perspectives we can get our hands on. Definitely. All right. Uh, speaking of getting into uh, dark, dark business, let us turn our attention to ask DTP. In which, uh, folks, as the title suggests, ask questions of us, and we do our best to answer them in a way that is in some small way satisfying. Let us begin with Darren Wilson, who asks the poignant question, Is Jamie still mad at me for suggesting the dead hate the living? (laughs) Well, he better hope not, because we're going to be recording together soon. (laughs) No, I'm not. I... I was over that pretty quickly, as a matter of fact. Love them. Love them very much. Yeah. I mean, there are worse things that someone could Absolutely. do to you than recommend Dead Hate the Living. Yes. Um, Jerry Esposito asks, who was the nicest horror movie star slash filmmaker that you've met in person? Michael Berryman. Oh, yeah. You've talked about him before. Yeah. yeah. No doubt, hands down, I've never been, a, never met a better, nicer, more wonderful celebrity in my entire life. Loved him. Uh, Vanessa, what about you? I'm a bad person to ask because I'm not, I like, never, don't go to conventions and that kind of stuff. But I did work with Anthony James, who was like, you know, the creepy chauffeur in Burnt Offerings. <laughs> oh, Yeah. He's, Among lots of other things. And a million, yeah, he's like fantastic character actor, but um, total sweetheart. Complete sweetheart. I can see that. He, he always seemed like he would be in real life. Plays, sometimes plays like the creepiest like, like characters or a heavy. And mm-hmm. so against type. So against type. For him. I mean, for, like who he is. Awesome. Yeah. I got to uh, chit-chat with Tony Todd a little bit. He was all right. He seemed like a real cool guy. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Darren Wilson also uh, asks us, any Pride Month horror movie recommendations? Uh, I would, uh, you know, obviously the short films, and we'll, we'll uh, there's a link on the Facebook group page, right, Vanessa? Yeah, and I uh, wanted to put that up on, I was going to put that up on the page. Okay, good. This episode releases. 
Okay, fantastic. So uh, there'll be links there to all the short films that we talked about. Um, but let's just give an honorable mention to a feature-length film. And uh, Vanessa, you kick us off. You you are a resident expert gay person. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I will say one actually really good, uh, more modern uh, film that actually Friday the 13th... Um, here on Legion, just their recent Pride episode covered was Hellbent. It's a gay slasher. And it's actually a pretty good movie. Uh, I had to review it when it came out for a a lesbian magazine. And, um, yeah, it's fun. Kind of, you know, because there's humor in it as well as, you know, some actual, like, good slasher moments. Uh, Right Yeah, I mean, and if you're going for older stuff it's it depends on what time period it is because so much it's the the gay themes are like the haunting is which i is one of my favorite movies um it the lesbian thing there is 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 much more coded and it's hinted at but it it's still like you see it um and that's probably one of the few films where you have the lesbian who's not like the evil character. Right. She's kind of uh, a, a bit of a libertine, but that's about it. Right. 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 And it's, it's, uh, yeah, but it's so, you know, you, there's so many of the lesbian vampire movies that you could go into. <laughs> sure. Um, some good, some bad, but, um, yeah, those are just two I would throw out there real quick. All right, Jamie. I honestly, I'm drawing a blank. I can't, I have nothing to offer. Jamie passes. I'll go uh, Nightmare 2 because it's, uh, it's uh, just so amazing what they got away with in that movie. Well, that's true. According to them, it was not on purpose, but I'm calling bullshit on that. I had, I, uh, yeah, I I had heard that the, the screenwriter in particular was like, yes, this is 100% what I had in mind. Even if the filmmakers didn't understand it. Oh, oh! Another one I would go to is um, Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, written sure. By, written by lesbian uh, writer Rita Mae Brown, which has the not so subtle uh, visual analogy of the killer oh. having a big drill. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's a fun movie. I like that one quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I you know look. This is uh, probably a big dumb guy choice. I don't give a shit. It's in my heart. Uh, I think the hunger is fucking well, amazing. Yeah, that, that I agree with you one hundred percent on that. Oh, that's a good one too. You know, see, I don't know. I can't. I was trying to stay away from all the my vampire <laughs> recommendations. Sure, but you know, Catherine Deneuve. I mean, we can talk about it every episode if we want. Well, that's true. I As mean, a pansexual, you vampire. don't have to convince me of this. <laughs> I'm just, a very special place in my <laughs> sexual growth. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain to the listeners. Like, if you hear the name Catherine Deneuve every episode, then we're doing it right. We already mentioned her in Repulsion. That's right. Oh my goodness, that sexy little ingenue, um, Jamie. Did you yeah. did you want to take another swipe at this, or shall we move on? I have nothing. All right, fair okay. enough. P- 
Pete Quint uh, asks us, will Meg be good or is it just another Sharknado? Um, I don't think it's Sharknado I, I, at all. I'm, I think if, if it was going to be anything, it might be a Deep Blue Sea. But I kind of feel like it's going to be better than that. I don't know. At least I hope it is because this is a book that I've loved forever and I have really wanted a movie. So I'm hoping it's going to be good. At the very least, you get giant sharks and or a giant shark doing giant shark things. I can't believe uh, that I would dislike anything about that. <laughs> I tend to agree, Vanessa. <laughs> um. I'm actually looking forward to it, but I think it's going to be a schlock fest, and I'm perfectly fine with that, actually. Um, but I think it, I, I do agree. I think it's going to be better than Sharknado, just purely by the fact of you have more funding behind it, and I, I think you have some better actors. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that this is just automatically a step above Sharknado. Right, right. Um, although I will be missing Tara Reid. Huh? <laughs> 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 God, just like honey, have another mimosa. <laughs> uh, all right. Ricky Morgan uh, asks us, which low-budget, not well-known movie would you think could be reinvented for today's horror generation? Um, I, I think that's a great question. Uh, Vanessa? Oh, God. Like, I'm trying to think, what are you considering, like, low-budget? Like, because there's so many movies that were low-budget at their time that were classics that have been remade and have been total trash. I mean, it's just... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. All right. Sorry. I, <laughs> Pull it's the relative. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pull the Jamie on me. Jamie, are you going to pull a Jamie on me? Am I? I <laughs> this is one of those questions that you can't just spring on me all of a sudden. Like, I need time to think. Um, and even in, though I know you're probably going to pull out something amazing and wonderful. In exactly. fairness, the post has been there for nine hours. Uh, I, some of us don't have time to... To skulk around lurking on our Facebook page to see what these people are going to ask us. That's true. Uh, <laughs> you know how I love to skulk. <laughs> All right, I'll, let me let me give you a couple here. Let me. I like to save the day. I like to be the I cavalry. I did see. You now everyone now listening is like, "Well, wait a minute. You said you were pre-answering a question." Yes, I saw the gay question. That was the only one I saw. I saw some questions, but I didn't see all questions. All right. Look. Sorry. It sounds l less guilty if we're not being so defensive about this. <laughs> so. No, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to come off defensive. It's just that I'm. I, I don't know. I feel like that's something that I would like to put some thought into and give. You know. All right. Well, let me let really me good answer. Let me toss a couple of what ifs out there. Okay. And and you chime in if if something occurs to you. <laughs> so one I'm that. If if you could get the right director for it, I would love to see someone take a stab at Lamora, A Child's Tale of the Supernatural, which is Ooh, this... Wow. I just watched that a few months ago because of Duncan's show. Yeah, right. And uh, I think that's a, a, a surprisingly 
interesting kind of arty film, but it's also hamstrung by the fact that a lot of it don't make no sense and people's makeup looks terrible. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see someone do a spin on that movie. I think that could be quite good. Uh, and another one I'll, I'll throw at you is um, Alice, Sweet Alice. Ooh, I really kind of like that movie, though. I like that. But I definitely think it, I mean, it, I don't think it would necessarily be terrible to remake it. Well, no, no, I, I don't, I don't think so either. But I just, there's something that, I think it's the time period. I have such a weak spot for that time period that they're kind of perfection just for, just for being when they were. But I would love to think of something that is basically like a thing from another world becoming the thing or the fly becoming the fly. Um, right, like if someone did Attack of the Killer Shrews, but real good. But right, <laughs> yeah, sure. Or Attack of the Giant Leeches. But, uh-huh. yeah, oh, yeah, the, I, I'll tell you one, actually, I thought of earlier. I almost forgot about this one. Um, was Squirm, I think, would be a fun movie to oh, remake. wow. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I got lots of good ideas. All right, moving on. Lori Caputo, uh, she asks us, uh, or actually says, she had a little bit of a, a story here. Uh, I recently got into a drawn-out conversation with a friend about what constitutes a horror movie. All oh. because of that prestige horror article, so I blame Brian. Uh, she she lulls. <laughs> oh, that's my Brian. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, yeah, he was real pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, we settled on a movie that instills fear in the viewer, or has elements that would normally instill fear, but are presented in an alternate way, uh, so as to invoke uh, another, evoke rather, another emotion, i.e. Tucker and Dale. So, what are your definitions of a horror movie, and are there any horror movies you call horror that others don't? Um, So we've been, I I feel like we've been over the prestige territory. Yeah. Uh, So, but do we have a broad definition of what a horror film is? This is a sticky wicket. And it's one that I've had a conversation about on numerous occasions. And because there are a lot of films that people do call horror that I don't. And uh, one of them was last year. Oh, what was that? A Western about the preacher. Then I'm like, what are you talking about, Westerns? Yeah, the Western with the preacher. <laughs> There's a Western with a preacher who... Pale Rider? No. <laughs> no, but basically, but it's interesting that you brought that up, though, because there, whatever... Oh, shit, hang on a second. Baby. Second. Okay. What's the name of that Western from last year that was like, it's horror. No, it's not. Bone Tomahawk? No. Vanessa already Brimstone, okay. Um, Brimstone is (laughs) the film that I was referring to. Excellent film. Really, really good film. I don't think it's a horror film. And uh, there are numerous reasons that we've gone back and forth with people, mostly, namely Dave Z, uh, um, because he really does think it's a horror film. And, you know, and that's fine, but I just don't. And... uh, 
anyway, so then that prompted us to bring up movies like Pale Rider, you know, where it's like, yeah, I don't call that a horror film, you know, but if you want to call, if you want to call this movie a horror film, then you'd have to call that a horror film, you know what I mean? So, anyway, to me, a horror film, and this is a very broad definition, but I believe a lot of it has to do with intent, too, and if the filmmaker is attempting to set out to frighten the viewer, then I think then, yeah, you take that in consideration. If in the case of Brimstone, I don't think he was attempting to frighten anyone. I think it was just more a very dark film than that to me is more of like a thriller. So then I guess it's so hard to do. It's hard to fucking do, but the, my very simplified thing is if the film is, if all of the, the scares in the film are aimed at the, the character within the film, if all of the dread is landing on them, then I see that as a thriller. If, uh, if the dread is coming for us, like if we are meant to feel scared and uncomfortable or uh, f- frightened in any way while watching the film, then I think it's more of a horror film. And that is a very simplified version of how I do it, but it's the best thing I can do right now. All right. Uh, and, and are you saying Brimstone is your example of... Well, but that's a movie that you don't call a horror film that others might. I do not. Honestly, I call it a straight-up Western film. All right, it, is, so, it is a Western to me. So what is a movie that you call horror that, that others I don't? I call horror that others don't. Um, well, I tend to be very uh, conservative with my... So I don't have a lot of those. It used to be Jaws, because back in the early days, when like I first started doing what I do, there, the argument was heavy on the jaws is an adventure side jaws mm-hmm. is is a is a is a dramatic piece side no one wanted to say jaws was a horror film now i see it more and more and more and more that jaws is classified as a horror film so that was one that i've always said was a horror film and it has um now people seem to be more accepting of that. But way back in the day, no one wanted to call it a horror film. So yeah. that was mine, but now it seems to be more accepted. So I, I, know, I, I think mean, I think that still counts, though. There are still, there are still those folks out there. And also, just because I remember those heady days as well, of people being like, no, this m- movie in which a giant shark terrorizes <laughs> a seaside community is clearly an adventure film. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not making that up. Yeah, that that actually what there was a time period, a dark I call that the dark times, the before times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh Vanessa, what about you? Uh movie and definition. Easy question. I mean, I think probably my definition is close to what Jamie's is, but I ex- Band it and make it even a little bit more broad and say if the intention is for the audience to be frightened or unnerved because frightened 
being frightened and unnerved are not necessarily the same thing, but they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that there, there are just things that I that are considered horror movies that to me are much more unnerving rather than frightening. They, so that's why I, I, I say I would expand it a, a little bit more. But as far as a movie that I consider horror that don't, yeah, I would say mainstream doesn't consider horror so much. But, I mean, they still acknowledge, I guess, cert- there are certain people who acknowledge that there are horrific elements. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yep, horror movie, 100%. Yeah, horror I'm movie. Sorry. It's a horror movie. It is a horror movie. And <laughs> thriller. I'm I'm right there with you. And, and that but that came from the time period when no one wanted to say the H word. Well, right. I mean, the H word was bad. 7 as well. Right. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. You know, 7's not as horrific, you know, as Silence of the Lambs, but to me it's like how could anyone deny that Silence of the Lambs was a horror movie? Like I just didn't understand that. Yeah. And now you do have more people accepting accepting it as a horror film but in general it still doesn't get put in that category yeah and but i what i do is i try to ask the question back to someone when they're when they're like hey do you think silence of the lambs is a horror movie you're like you mean the movie about a young fbi agent chasing a serial killer who kidnaps and skins his victims by consulting with a serial killer who ate his victims Yes, I think that is a horror <laughs> film. Right, exactly. Um, so, I, our, my quick definition is: I'm I'm very big ten about horror. I actually don't like the thriller distinction most of the time. Like, Taken isn't a thriller. Taken is a dramatic action film to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, my big tent is any film intended to. Uh, horrify, being to elicit th- that physical response. Uh, terrify, which is more of a creeping dread. Or shock, which is kind of your exploitation stuff. Uh, or and, yeah. and because of any, uh, be- because of Lori's definition, though, I would I would actually include any movie that uses those those tropes is trafficking in the horror genre like like a Tucker and Dale. I mean, it's more comedy than horror, but it uses horrific elements. It uses all the tropes of horror, so it lands in that category. And a film can certainly be more fall into more than one genre. Right. It's it, like course. making any of those distinction is uh, distinctions is ultimately stupid because no two movies are perfectly identical. Other than a couple of psychos, um, but, <laughs> but you know, even one movie to its sequel can be kind of a different thing. Like it's the reason I like Friday the Thirteenth Four more than any of the other Friday the Thirteenths. That's just the movie I like in that series, and so yeah. I but when you get into trying to label the movies too much. All you're doing is creating ways to divide the community further. And I don't like that. I like the Big Ten approach of like, yeah, Godzilla movies are horror movies. And so is, 
you know, Silence of the Lambs and Seven, like all of that falls under the umbrella. It's just kind of the the flavor you like as opposed to, uh, you know, I try to approach it positively versus um, saying like, oh, I don't like slashers. I used to be that guy. I used to like, I don't like slashers. Um, and now I'm just like, oh, I just, I, I generally don't like slashers, but I also like really good slashers. So, you know, you have to make those allowances and not, not use the distinctions to, to, uh, create reasons not to enjoy a movie. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, even if just by saying that I don't think something falls into the horror category doesn't mean I don't think it's good. I just don't necessarily think it's a horror film right i just i i just mean it's not ultimately worth that argument it's like well you don't think it's horror okay fine you know and that's true that's true too it (laughs) it's interesting though but that i have had this conversation numerous times and also have had the conversation of what do you consider a slasher film with some of those answers going off into ridiculous directions um just basically any film that involves someone being killed with something pointy equals slasher. And uh, no, no, it doesn't. Um, sure, sure. Rainbow but, is not a slasher film. Right. But, but then you fall into the other right. category <laughs> of, of like, well, there are some movies that don't operate like slashers, but are, you know, like Jurassic Park is kind of a slasher. Um, you know, movies like that where it's like, okay, well, you're using the tropes of let's bring all these people together, let's isolate them. Now we've got this fierce killer, and we're going to pick people off one by one. And there's I a lot of that think DNA. That's, I, well, and I that is a good point, uh, but I kind of think that that falls more just under a horror category if you want to just in general. Because, like, say for instance, what if that were happening? But it was a ghost that was killing sure. everyone. But a g- 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 ghost. Um. <laughs> um, it's to me, or it's like okay, I got into a big discussion about whether or not your next is a slasher film. I have, I strongly do not believe that your next is a slasher film. I no. and I, I have very rigid arguments uh, about why your next is not a slasher film, but it's. And in the end, it doesn't really fucking matter, I guess. I mean, just watch the movies you like and who cares. But it's, uh, and, you know, because everyone does have such varied opinions, it's not something that's ever going to be settled or like, there, now we have it. Sure, right. (laughs) That's not going to happen. So it's all futile. But it does lead to interesting discussion either way. I'll, I'll give you my a, a pair of movies that I've already mentioned tonight that I classify as horror that a lot of people don't. I know what one of them is. Uh, the Guest and uh, Green Room. I think Green both Room. Of- I was yeah. actually going to check as one that I don't call horror. Yeah, but um, that but I knew that that was going to be your example. <laughs> right. Well, to me, it's and it- a lot of people do. You're not alone. In that, a lot of people do consider that a horror film. Yeah, to me, that falls into the exploitation film genre, mm-hmm. and and there I embrace it and make sweet, sweet love to it in the dark because Green Room fucking rocks, and it, it does. does. It is a brilliant film. It's, and I thought it was amazing. Uh, I actually had somebody walk out of that film when I went to go see it. See, that's when you know you got a good movie when somebody's exactly. like enough. 
I can't handle And not like, because yeah, it's crap. They were just crap, like, no, this, but, they were like no this is too much. I can't take it. And they left. That's what I'm saying. This is That's a film that falls into the it is supposed to unnerve you category. It's not supposed to frighten you, but it's supposed to unnerve you. I mean, it, yeah, it's frightening at times, but that's not the main intent of it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. Thanks, Lori. Um, John uh, drops this banger on us. Who is your favorite director? You only get one, Jamie. Cronenberg. Vanessa. Oh, fuck. Um, Can't find him on IMDb. Give me another. No. <laughs> <laughs> Talking horror, I... Oh, shit. Um... Oh. Polanski. Polanski, all right. You went with a rapist. Well done. Um, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> unfortunate. No apologies. Sure. No apologies. He but, is an excellent filmmaker. Rapist yeah. or not, I don't fucking care. You chose the films of a child molester. Unfortunate, <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. And I like Jeepers Creepers, so there. Uh, I like uh, John Carpenter is my favorite director in that genre. Um... All right, well done, everyone. Andrew says, considering uh, it's Pride Month, what are some of your favorite gay-themed horror movies? Um, I, I feel like we've done that one, but thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Um, not o- not only uh, did we answer that question, we are also going to uh, offer short films uh, available to you right here on the group page and the and the uh, Devoured Podcast page, where you can see some more and maybe get some new favorites. Uh, John also back says, uh, will DTP, all right. So I've been thinking about this one. Let's talk about this. Will DTP be covering any franchises again? And also, might we also get a theatrical review sometime? Uh, answered the second question is we'll be doing hereditary next month. Uh, so, you know, here's, all right. Let me say this about the first part of that question about doing franchises is that because we're on a monthly recording schedule, and that's kind of what everyone's got time for in, in their busy schedules. And um, the problem with doing a franchise, if we do something like fucking Hellraiser, um, <laughs> then that means for the for the next nine months or ten months or whatever, that's all we're talking about. So my proposal is that for franchise shows, and I, I feel like we should do them. Um, because I, I do like having those discussions. I think those would be more like bonus episode shows where we would just talk about all the movies in the franchise. That's my counter offer to doing, you know, two years of Friday the 13th. Okay. Okay. All right. We have a consensus. Thank you, John. <laughs> Helping lay the tracks for the coming uh, the coming months, but yeah, and and I've been thinking about like I don't know what what franchises we ought to do. Um, I would really like to do something that, like, I don't want to do Friday the Thirteenth. I don't want to do Halloween. I want to do something a little off the beaten path, but not total garbage. Like, you know. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre is a great example of this, where the first one's legit good, and then things go off the rails pretty fast, and there are too many of them. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm thinking about it, though. If uh, if anyone has suggestions, by all means, 
uh, drop us a line on, on the Facebook group and, uh, uh, let us know if, if you've got a suggestion, I'm certainly open to it. I just don't want to do it over the course of, you know, half a year or more. Um, agreed. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like every time we start a show, it's like, all right, we're talking about Halloween six. (laughs) <laughs> right Ugh. well those are much easier to do like well, back when we had the weekly format because sure. it's over very quickly when we do the show so infrequently then it feels like that's all you're talking about and it you know it would get tiresome yeah yeah uh yeah i agree with with all that um so yeah but we'll we'll do some other stuff and and i've been, like i've been thinking about doing some some bonus stuff just to supplement the the monthly release schedule so yeah and um um yeah uh, yes, John. Yes, all of those things <laughs> we will be doing. Uh, so he also asks, uh, which film uh, is the best and/or your favorite haunted house film? Vanessa, is your answer uh, the, haunting? the haunting? Yeah, the nineteen sixty-three. You got? Do, is there a runner-up? Is there anybody even close? I. No, I I mean, for me, I just I love that movie so much. And actually, we're doing it on VD Clinic in a few months, but um, and the book, but um, Haunting of Hill House. But um, yeah, nothing comes close to it for me. And I love I love haunted house movies. All right. Uh, The Haunting Walks Alone uh, in Vanessa's list. Um, Jamie. Oh, this is rough because I love so many of them. The Haunting is right up there, but it doesn't scare me. Whereas... (laughs) Things like... (laughs) You're going to kill me. (laughs) Eventually. The Conjuring or Insidious (laughs) really do. And I, I love those one of us I, I yeah i think both of those examples are two-thirds of a great movie <laughs> i you, like, no i'm not gonna fault you for naming either of those i'm not gonna give you a hard time about that <laughs> i really do and i know those are recent and we have a lot of really good ones before that oh no 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 i do have one that trumps those and that is the changeling yeah that yeah. i think is uh, that movie still creeps me out so that, yes. that's true. I mean, that that doesn't come close to the haunting for me. But yes, that is pretty. That is definitely an upper echelon film. Um, you mean prestige? Yeah, it's yes. a prestige haunted yes. house film. Excuse me, I'm not using the right terminology. <laughs> What's your prestige haunted house film? And pass the gray poupon. Exactly. Uh, mine would be The Legend of Hell House. I think that movie is fucking outstanding. Also, the book Hell House, uh, upon which it is based by Richard Christian Matheson, also worth your time. Um, The book is even sexier and weirder. The book... Did I ever tell you about when I was reading that book and Pugsley scared the shit out of me? I um, I was reading that book and I was in the tub. And I had, so I had the, I was holding the book up like in front of my face to read it. And I got to the part where, <laughs> where she sees the sheet sort of standing there in front of her in the bedroom. And mm-hmm. 
there shouldn't be anyone there, <laughs> you know, but there's like a sheet there and then like the sheet drops. And right at that moment, I moved my book just slightly. Pugsley was standing on his hind legs with his front two feet. Uh, this is my big fluffy black cat for anyone who doesn't know. He was standing on his hind legs next to the tub with his front two paws on the edge of the tub, just looking dead at me. And so when I moved my <laughs> book, he was about three inches away from my face. I screamed so loud <laughs> and scared the shit out of me. He took off running and I, was, I felt so bad. But <laughs> I was like, oh my God, of all the moments to, <laughs> to just be there. You know, just suddenly there's this black figure, like just like a shadowy figure three inches in front of my face. And uh, that was amazing. It was perfect timing. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> I like hearing somebody get really scared. That's why that is one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, because you look what you did to me. Sure. <laughs> uh, Don and Ellie asks us, what would you consider to be the most underrated genre or movement that needs to be reinvigorated going forward? Torture porn. Sure. I think we all agree. <laughs> It's about time we brought the hostile twos of the world back. Well, you know, uh, I was actually, this that's funny, because my answer before recently would have been witchcraft films, because I absolutely love witchcraft and dark magic films. But I was in the shower today, and I, I was thinking, like, man, we've had some really good witchcraft films of late, and dark magic. Um not just things like um, a movie we're going to be talking about very soon, um, or like The Devil's Candy, um, which is more like a satanic thing, but you know they can kind of go all around there together. But also um, this year's Pie Wacket, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and there was another one we watched recently, but like, like you know, just. Good, strong, satanic, demonic, witchcraft, black magic films. That's what I would love to have seen a resurgence of. And I realized just today, we kind of are, and I'm digging the hell out of it. Yeah, with, especially with Suspiria on the horizon. There's, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm kind of witchcraft-friendly. Um, look, I ain't gonna lie. Uh, if, if you want to bring back some, some Squatch films, some Big Feet films, <laughs> not saying no. Killer bears as well. Fine with all that. <laughs> Vanessa, what about you? No, I'm definitely uh, in, in enjoying that there are more witchcraft films uh, coming out uh, now. That's that's definitely my wheelhouse. But yeah, I think I I don't know. I I could go for some more killer animals and. <laughs> That to me is kind of heaven. It's just that it's it's one giant drive through, showing a, a never ending marathon of movies where we take something in the animal kingdom and have it kill people. You know, start from the bottom, start it like Chihuahuas, and then we work our way up to the great whites and the bears and the vicious <laughs> godless killing machines. Because you got a lot of in between there. You can do dogs and cats. Frogs, monkeys, Night of the Lepus, right, right, <laughs> and make it right. Uh huh. I don't know how scary it would actually be, but 
<laughs> you would just have to go so over the top with the gore. They are bunnies. It is very difficult to make that film scary. We actually just watched that because the Blu-ray came out and Brian got it for review. And uh, <laughs> that is the cutest thing. And they're so cute. And that the, the interesting thing about that film is they took themselves so seriously. They really tried. Like, this wasn't, it wasn't schlocky at all, not on purpose, like, or, like, not even, they weren't tongue-in-cheek in it. They were really trying to make these bunnies terrifying, and that just kind of makes it a little more funny. Um, <laughs> but they went all out with the models and everything. Um, I gotta give them props for that. Like, I actually enjoy that movie, but I, I just don't think it's possible to make bunny rabbits scary i just don't i mean oh, if monty python not. couldn't do it <laughs> they're nasty big sharp teeth uh-huh uh don i think the answer to your question is giant rabbit movies thank you uh for submitting it <laughs> giant rabbit witches <laughs> oh are you kidding me that would be a special kind of magic, literally. <laughs> it's a kind of magic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I would love, like, bun- giant bunnies with black pointy hats <laughs> around ginormous cauldrons. Yep. You know, just dropping carrots in. <laughs> big, big carrots. Now I really want to see this movie. Summoning the dark forces. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Derek Bourgeois uh, asks, what do you think is the most underrated killer kid movie of all time? Vanessa, right back to you. Underrated killer kid movie? Yeah, yeah. Some... Uh-oh. You know, like your Kathy's Curses, some shit like that. I know, but uh, I don't know. I Even though it's it still gets props, I think that not enough people really know the original Bad Seed. Yeah, yeah, that's a good film. I have a lot of time for that movie. Love that movie. Love, that love, kid, love it. Patty McCormick. <laughs> Just, oh, she's brilliant. You know what? I don't even hate the re- the remake. I kind of dig on that movie, so I'm not upset about it. I just yeah. like killer kid movies. I, <laughs> if I were gonna throw a more modern a jam, uh, well, who doesn't love a adorable murderous child? But uh, I would throw getting murdered. Well, that's <laughs> what happens. See, at the end, they always do. So yeah, well, that I, it gives me something to look forward to. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I would toss out the the film Phone from, uh, I think it's a uh, South Korean film, um, has yeah. a great creepy kid in it. Did you say Phone? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know that film. Yeah, it's, uh, 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 it's amazing. Good. Yeah. I, well, the movie itself is pretty good. The child performance in it is one of the best, like, oh, that kid is fucked up. You need to burn that thing with fire right now kind of performances. <laughs> Well, for me, I don't necessarily think it's underrated because it's not like it's a fantastic film that, that you know, it's just not getting the 
the credit it deserves. Like, no, it's not that good. But it's super fun for me. And that is the children, not the British film. Oh, yeah, that uh, one's pretty like, good, though. From, like, 2008. I do love that movie. I, that one is legitimately really good, I think. But the, So what's your crappy or less good one? <laughs> the, the 1980 film. The kids with the black fingernails and the... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just... I. It's... It's kind of kind of goofy and really fun and it has this very cool ending with like a newborn baby and you see the newborn baby has black fingernails oh yeah it's just i have a good time with that plus it was a mo- it was one of those movies that i saw at the drive-in when i was a kid and so it had sort of like an indelible impression upon me you know how i am with those all those nostalgic movies for me so i've always enjoyed that one so, like I said, it's not really underrated because it's not like it's some great gem that people just aren't giving the credit. It's it's, but it is really fun. I think. Excellent. Um, Mike finally asks us our final question of the evening, which will have a quick answer. Uh, he says, uh, "Why do some people find Hereditary so hard to follow, even going as far uh, as to call it a mess?" Uh, Mike, shut up! We're talking about it next month! That was, in fact, a quick answer. I haven't heard anyone say that, so... I don't know. I've heard people say they didn't like it, you know, just bleh. But I've never heard... I didn't hear anyone say they couldn't follow it, or that it was a mess. But I've read somewhere uh, something about that, and I'm like, really? Like, anyway. Huh. Well, well, we're going to wait and see. We'll discuss that next month. Yeah. yeah. I, I could be the one who comes in, and I'm like the fuck happened in that movie i don't was it what i don't understand the monkey i was happy <laughs> i was happy to see him but i didn't understand it i predict that you will adore it was one of them a replicant i couldn't figure that out um okay so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take uh, another break here and then you're gonna hear the trailer for our first film, uh, the listener choice film, Randomly Chosen, uh, this time around, that movie is Paul Solid's film, Grace. We'll be right back. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. I'm going to see a midwife. There's a reason people have babies in hospitals. We're just checking it out. Anybody breaks out of power, Crystal, we're leaving. <laughs> Tia. Keep the focus on you and your baby. It's beautiful. The less this place looks like a hospital, the better. <sighs> Michael! <sighs> Maybe you should just pull over. She isn't moving. Babies descended. You're a great man. 
After the accident, she told us the baby was dead. Stay. Madeline, you can't will a baby back to life. It's Grace. Her name is Grace. The stars in heaven tucked in the sun and each little flower knows this day is done. Madeline, I know that you do not want to take her to the hospital, but there are some tests that can help us understand. We're not a case study. Please, honey. That baby is sick. You don't understand. She's special. She needs special food. Vivian. God, Madeline, you look terrible. Madeline? Um, I'm just feeding the baby. Welcome back to Devour the Podcast, everyone. Our first film tonight, selected by our random wheel drawing from a list of films supplied by you, our gentle listeners. Uh, So far, we have talked about Ink, and Mm. uh, then we did The Dead Hate the Living. Mm. The wheel this time gave us the 2009 film, Grace. Uh, written and directed by Paul Sollett, stars Jordan Land, uh, Jordan Ladd, Samantha Ferris, Gabriel Rose, and is synopsized thusly: After losing her unborn child, Madeline Matheson insists on carrying the baby to term. Following the delivery, the child miraculously returns to life with an appetite for human blood. Madeline is faced with a mother's ultimate decision. Just so there is a little bit of context here, uh, back in the day when Jamie and I were doing uh, the the podcast from the blog. Um, blog radio. That's right. We did uh, an interview with, with Paul and Adam. We did. And, and, uh, and other Adam. And other Adam. So, uh, yeah. So we like we covered this movie when it came out. And, uh, you know, it was interesting going back and, and watching it again with, uh, with a few years under my belt. I don't mind saying, um, but that's also how time works. So, uh, I'm curious, Jamie, uh, let's start with you. What did you think of, of grace, um, this time around? Because if memory serves, you enjoyed it quite a bit. The, uh, the first time we saw it. I did, and if you will recall, at the time, I was all over social media, or what we had of social media at that time. I'm just pushing that film on anyone that I could get to listen to me, and even those who didn't want to listen. I was pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, because I absolutely loved it. And I still do. I 
I really do. I think it's incredibly strong. I think that visually, I think it looks good. I love the score. I love the little song, the little lullaby that they wrote specifically for that film that Jordan Ladd actually sings. I think it's a sweet little song and it gets stuck in my head. I uh, The performances, I think, are fantastic. And I think it's very simple in that basically it's a film about want. And uh, if we, when we talked to Paul Sollett, he went into it a little more eloquently when he was basically saying that everyone in this film wants something. This is a, uh, this is basically an exploration of that on the numerous levels. But I, yeah, I enjoy even down to the cat, little Jonesy. I think there are some really cool, uh, cool things that. He does with that. And there are, very, there are some very subtle things. You know, like we have the, um, the whole beef industry thing going on in the background. And the fact that she's trying to make her cat a vegan. And <laughs> he's like, right. no. Um, which you absolutely cannot do. Um, by the way, for anyone out there who is a vegan or a vegetarian, that is your choice. Do, please don't force that on your animals. It's, um, they're not built for it. And... That's my PSA for the day, but they are not designed to live a vegan life. Don't make them do it because it's detrimental. But, um, like, I love how, like, the little, like, Jonesy, he knew what's up, you know, when he, when he was, like, bringing dead things to the baby. Yeah. Like, he's like, this is what this baby needs. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you get the, uh. Little subtleties like with the flies or the hair coming out or the smell that just won't go away. And to me, those aren't, I mean, she outright says them, but it's not like it's anything horrifically gory that's in your face, that's, you know, shoved in your face repeatedly. I, I still think they're, they err on the side of subtlety. And those are the things that, you know, if you start thinking about it, it, it really does get under my skin when I'm watching this film. Like, I'm imagining this baby that smells, you know, like the smell that just you can't get rid of. I imagine, you know, the flies buzzing around and, and all of these little things. And I find it very unnerving, you know. Plus, we have the offbeat characters like the mother-in-law and the doctor who have their own wants and creepy weird desires um but to me all of those things just sort of add up to a film that overall leaves me feeling um uh, kind of goose fleshy when throughout its entirety all right uh vanessa how about you what did you make of grace now i had not seen grace until now oh wow okay it's been one of those on my to-watch list, my very long to-watch list, and it just kind of got lost in there because my list is so long. Um, and over the years, I've kind of like, oh, I need, I really want to watch that. But I'm like, for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, I'm not, I don't think I'm in the mood for that right now, whatever. Um, the only thing that I have to say that's negative, and it's not about the movie, it's the fact of... Because of working so much lately, the only time I was able to watch this movie was while I was actually also doing work. So I want to go back and rewatch it. But still, that said, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, 
you're right there. I mean, there are a lot of things that are a little, are, are more subtle that there's not an over the top for the most part, any, you know, over the top, like it's, there's not much really gore. I mean, it, it's like, I don't know. It, it could be so much more than it actually is considering the subject matter. And they didn't go that over the top. Um, but again, like I said, I still want to rewatch this and just get a wider reassessment. But I mean, it's just so, plays on so much of the, the basic horrors of that go through a pregnant woman's and a new mother's mind. And I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, those kind of films are, uh, it's always interesting to me because it's, this is what it, it still goes into. This is what society expects of you as a woman. And I've never had a child, nor will I ever have a child, but I, I mean, I understand completely. And I, had women talk to me about that who have been mothers or have been pregnant and you know and I I I just I find the exploration of of kind of like that psyche kind of interesting and um I, I my question was with the midwife she doesn't seem particularly surprised that shit happened with this baby. <laughs> like, like almost like it's happened before to other babies. <laughs> right. It, yeah. It's, it, it does feel and, like she should be more like, alarmed. Yeah. She seems like she should have been more alarmed. And then I was thinking, I'm like, is that just me? Because I'm not completely, I can't devote a hundred percent of my attention to this right now. Or is she, is it really, she's just like that. And, and in fairness, she does, push uh maddie to go take the baby to a hospital because she does say like hey this is pretty weird you should really take your child to uh really get a full checkup and that's the point where um jordan ladd's character kind of pushes back and is like i will not have my baby just tested upon and she's like, all right. right, all right, calm down, lady. Right, but she knows that something is wrong, and still, yeah, she doesn't seem too surprised, even when she's coming back and scoping out the place and, like, avoiding the phone calls. I think that in her particular case, uh, the midwife being another character wanting, um, I, I kind of feel like... She's in a situation where she is so in love with the Jordan Ladd character that I think it's not necessarily that she doesn't see there's something wrong with the situation. I think she does. I don't. I think she doesn't want to be an alarmist. I, I'm trying to think of a way to say this that is clear, but I, I think she doesn't want to freak her out or run her off. Like I, she wants to be with her so badly that she is just doing everything she can to be supportive. Uh, even though I believe she knows that there's something really wrong here, but it's the something that she is willing to look past because this is a person that she really, really wants to be with that she really cares about. Um, Hers, I think, is probably one of the most tragic within this story. I, I feel really bad for her. Right, because I feel like Jordan, not not her real name, not her name in the movie, but <laughs> I feel like Jordan will never feel about her 
the way she feels about Jordan, but at the you know at the end they're together out of necessity. Right. And so she is sort of living out this whole like to her this is the life that she wants to be with her, but I don't think it will ever be fully reciprocated and I think that's very tragic. If that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I think all the kind of major characters in this movie, namely it's kind of our, our three prominent female characters. You know, you have Madeline, Jordan Ladd's character, you have uh Samantha Ferris, who is uh what's her name? Uh Doctor Lang, Patricia Lang. And um oh I'll have to look up the the name of this actress who plays Miss Matheson. Uh, Vivian Matheson, Gabrielle Rose is her name. So you have these three women who are all driven, driven beyond reasonable means towards something. What, you know, for Jordan Ladd, it's obviously sort of willing this child into life and then doing all these horrible things to keep it alive. You have the mother-in-law who is obsessed with the child to the point where she's getting her husband to breast, to like help her prime her nipples by suckling at her teeth. Yeah. Like that was just, that was a weird thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super strange moment. And right. And it, but that's of her character was just weird. Well, it's the collateral damage of, of the characters around them and, and this obsession with, with, for two of the characters, it's obsession with maternity and that one has seen her child rearing years go by, but still craves that experience and can have this surrogate child via Jordan Ladd's child, not knowing of course what she is. And then you have the Dr. Lane character who is so consumed with this woman who kind of got away that the relationship she's currently in, she is obviously paying no attention to and is consumed by this, you know, obsessive love that she has for Madeline to the point for, you know, mild spoilers to the point of, of sacrificing her own identity in many ways so that she can take care of this woman who in a weird way has now become a prisoner to her because she, she has to have help and right. this is the person extending a hand. It doesn't seem like there's any real love from her. That is a real one way street. And it's, it's all these people like doing terrible things to, to get the thing they want. But, it just devastates everyone and everything around them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Do well, we... what did you, do you still, uh, because you enjoyed this film back in the day. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I, I do like it. I, I, I think my biggest problem with the movie on a rewatch is that it, it is a very subdued movie. It goes out of its way to, to underplay the sort of horrific elements of the film. And I think at times, because it is so subdued, it feels a little bit slow-paced in in uh, sort of the second act of the film. And then I think it picks back up and everything's fine. Like, I, I don't think it's a giant problem with the movie. But I think that it's worth noting, like, oh, there's a little bit of a drag there. Like, it, it starts pretty uh, pretty swiftly, and then there's a point 
following sort of, hey, here's what this baby is, that little things are happening that are, are sort of odd, but it it doesn't necessarily feel like it's building to something big until you kind of get there. Um, but no. I mean, I I do. It is subdued, and and I call it quiet. Um, but I kind of like that because for me, it adds to how unsettling the whole thing is, you know, because it's just, if, if it is quiet, then I am quiet at like, it's, I don't know. It just hmm, magnifies the discomfort that I feel while I'm watching the film. Yeah. And there's certainly just striking imagery throughout the movie. Like just seeing a, a, a kid with flies crawling on it. it there's something yeah. off about that image. You know, it's just, it, it shouldn't, that ain't supposed to happen that way. Um, so, no. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, I thought it was funny when this film came out. Um, Paul told the story about how, uh, and this film it came out the same year that Drag Me to Hell did, and Drag Me to Hell has the scene with the fly crawling around on her face and then like slipping inside, you know. And so they were like, "Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> because they have the scene with the fly crawling up the baby's nose or whatever and uh, I thought that was funny incidentally I if you do have the Blu-ray or DVD release of this film I'm not sure if it was ever released on Blu-ray but if you have the DVD release of this film or some way that you can watch the special features I highly recommend the special features the documentaries were made by my good friend Adam Barnick and he is excellent at documentary filmmaking for behind the scenes stuff it's some some of the best stuff i've i've seen as far as that is concerned so yep. uh, just his style is incredible so Second i highly it. recommend that uh all right before we grade this does anyone have any final points any final uh evidence for the jury no no not that i can think of all right then, Vanessa, what is your one to five star grade, half stars being allowed, not quarter stars, we're not monsters. What is your grade for Grace? Well, I have to go back and put it in the context partly of what we've covered. And by the way, didn't you leave out when you're talking about listener picks uh, 30 Days of Night? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. 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 All With right. seventh grade haircut? Yep. With seventh grade, that's right. Fair enough. Well, well remembered. Uh, yeah. So that's trying to put my grades in context. Um, I would give this a four. Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed it, but I really, I, I want to watch it again to to pay a little bit more attention. All right, uh, Jamie. Uh, well, this is going to be. A five for me. I have always had a special love for this film, and maybe a part of it might have to do with the connection that I have to people involved. I and the fact that I sort of you know was along for the ride as far as like I was anticipating this film coming out and getting updates about this film coming out and and talking to some people behind the scenes along the way so i i was it's always been very special to me so that probably does color it a little bit but it hasn't changed and all these years later i still love it so i gotta recommend it i can't it, it's i do think it's it's objectively good all right uh my score i i, I agree with uh 
with Vanessa, I think. I think four stars is where I land on this one. I, you know, just because I've got my minor pacing issues, but I, I think there are strong performances in it. I think there's a plenty to unpack with the movie. I think, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's fun to just puzzle over like, well, you know, let, let's really look at these relationships between these characters and what they're, what they're doing to the people around them and themselves in pursuit of this thing. Like there are healthy, there are healthy versions of all the relationships in the movie. Uh, but none of them are depicted in the movie, you know, like uh, the love for a child is perverse. The, the love, uh, for, you know, a girlfriend is, is a bit perverse. Uh, the love of a grandchild is perverse. Even the love between husband and wife is, is a bit perverse. Uh, it's really interesting. Like there, uh, it, it's a fun movie to, uh, to pick apart and and give it a think or two. Yeah, that's why I'm saying that I it was a real disservice in my opinion that I was had I had to do work at the same time. You know, which was disappointing because it was uh, you know I really enjoyed it what I was paying attention to. <laughs> yeah, I know I get forty lashes with a wet noodle for half doing my homework for the show. Right. Well, I, I'll tell you that it, it you know. If it encourages you to go back and watch it again, I think the movie benefits from a, a couple of viewings anyway. So okay, uh, all right, I agree with that. We have uh, we have all landed in a uh, a good place with Grace. The next movie we'll be discussing this evening is our feature for the for the night. Uh, it is the film Auto or Up with Dead People. Now, our feature presentation. Once upon a time, in the not-too-distant future, there unlived a zombie named Otto. was a time not much different from today when zombies had become if not commonplace then certainly unextraordinary All right, uh, Otto, or Up With Dead People, is a film uh, celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. It comes from the year of our Lord, 2008. It is written and directed by Bruce LaBruce. And uh, it stars uh, Jay Crisfar, Marcel Schlutt as uh, Fritz Fritz. Uh, Jay uh, Crisfar, of course, is uh, Otto. 
Nicholas Fox Riccardi as a young guy in a sweatshirt. Who else is important? Uh, Medea Yarn is uh, Katharina Katarina Kluengus, Kluenghaus, and uh, yeah, some other folk. Uh, the synopsis reads: Otto is a handsome, sensitive neo-goth zombie with an identity crisis, wandering the streets of the city until one day he auditions for a zombie film. That feels like a thin description uh, and does not necessarily capture the spirit of the movie. No. Uh, I feel like it should begin with, hey, uh, a dude fucks a guy in in a hole in his side. Um, (laughs) Because that's going to get the audience you want. But... (laughs) Obviously, we talked about this last month on the show. This was brought to us by Vanessa McHenry and the letter G. I don't know. Um, <laughs> for Pride Month. <laughs> right, right. For Pride Month. And I, and I think it's worth starting, I guess, the conversation with the, uh, the knowledge that Bruce LaBruce is more known... Uh, outside of the horror community for his work in adult uh, gay-oriented films. Gay male. Yes. Yes. I never would have guessed. Right? Yeah, it's hard to imagine from seeing Otto are are up with the dead people, which features, I mean... A gay zombie orgy? The only one I've seen. Right? Right. That's Uh, true. But... I aim to bring new things to the table. So much dick in this movie. (laughs) I warned you last episode. I said, there's a lot of cock, and there is a lot of cock. Yeah, fair warning. All right, I mean, just for beginsies, for our listeners, there is no way to talk about this movie without talking about dicks. Also, I think we can safely say up front... If you're uh, an individual who says, I don't want to see a dick in a movie, Otto or Up With Dead People, not your your film for the family table. Um, that all said, Vanessa, what was, uh, wh- what did you have in mind in presenting this film? I think, I think it's an interesting film. And it was something different, and it was Pride Month. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know of anybody talking about this. Yeah, yeah. It, there's, there's, it's, 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 it's got a lot of interesting things going on that are far beyond all the cock. Like, if you're into cock, whatever, that's fine. That's your thing. But there's other <laughs> stuff there. <laughs> I've tried it. Thank you. No, (laughs) but it's still, it's just, there's so much here that, yeah, there's, there's a discussion to be had. All right. So when you like the film or not, there's a discussion to be had. I a hundred percent agree. Jamie. Yes. What did you make of your time with Otto or up with dead people? Well, and how much do you hate me? Oh, well, I do not hate you. 
I will do. I want to amend you earlier, though, when you said this was brought to us by the letter G. No, this was brought to us by the letters L, G, B, T, and Q. Get it? Well done. Yes. yes. <laughs> Keeping on um, brand. I like it. You get the rainbow star for that. Ooh. Uh, well, I I do appreciate the themes that that were in this film. I do feel like it was a little ham-fisted in the delivery, and I just used fisted talking about this. <laughs> Surprisingly, a ham did not get fisted. That is really... I, I'm trying to think. Orgy. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't recall seeing any. But... No, there was a thumb <laughs> thing getting off. I know that. And that was a fist that was taken apart. So, no. Didn't go other places. Besides <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like it was a little in your face, like, um, like it just, well, it just came all over your face. It was, <laughs> I was like, wow, I get what you're trying to say. I really get what you're trying to say. No, dude, seriously, I get what you're trying to say. But that being said, and, and I do prefer a little more subtlety, maybe, uh, but I have always said that if you're going to make a zombie film, I enjoy it when people use zombies successfully as metaphors. And that, that clearly he was going metaphorical here. And I, you know, and I get what he's trying to say. So I do appreciate that he had a message that he's trying to get across that he was putting out there. I, Would I, you say also, he is making no boners about it? <laughs> no, he made plenty of boners about it. There were a lot of boners. There were a lot of boners. Um, <laughs> and there were some interesting things within the film. Like, for whatever reason, um, Katarina's girlfriend? Medea's uh, girlfriend? Uh, yeah. Oh, Medea's girlfriend. Was that Katarina then? Katarina's every, actress. Every time we saw her, she was, uh, she was in black and white while everyone else is in color and she's in a silent film. And yeah, I, I thought that, that was, I thought that was hilarious. I really yeah. did. You know, and you'd see the two of them in the same shot and it would be a split screen, you know, left side of the screen being color and everything. Her side of the screen being black and white. And every time she would talk, her dialogue would come up on the screen. Like if she were in a silent film, I thought that was hilarious. I, and I thought it was very, it, uh, very clever and it's something I've never seen before and I definitely appreciated that um, on the other end of that spectrum though um, we got the score which used a lot of experimental jazz and uh, and things along those lines would give it a very um, film school slash art house feel to it that I think was really heavy uh, in this film and I'm not really fond of the music choices completely for this film. But, you know, whatever. Uh, we also got things like these, uh, I guess it was zombie vision. Um, what I thought was interesting, though, is whenever we would see things from the point of the point of view of the zombies, it would be really off color and kind of look like they were being dragged through some 70s exploitation film. And we would also get what sounded like radio interference kind of in the background, which I don't know if this is what he was going for, but I kind of pictured that as being like what it would be like if you were dead. Uh, 
like maybe you're because your brain isn't working the same as everyone else's brain you receive signals differently and you know things are a little haywire that's the lens which i was you know that i chose to look at it through i'm not sure how accurate that is as far as an interpretation but that's where I took that, and I thought that was, if that's the case, then I thought that was interesting. So there were definitely some interesting things that he did here that I can appreciate. However, I did not necessarily enjoy my time with this film, and I kind of couldn't wait for it to be over. Not because of anything that he was saying or even all the dick. I don't, <laughs> I don't have an aversion to dick. I, it, it's not that. It just... I just feel like it was stomping really loudly. I was like, oh, my goodness. It just was very heavy and very just laid on very thick. So it was kind of exhausting in that respect. All right. Uh, Vanessa, uh, since this is your rock hard baby. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about you tell us what you think of auto or up with dead people no i want to hear what you have to say first all right all right fair enough um at least i have to defend myself <laughs> sure sure i you know i i think my complaints are, are much the same as as jamie's which is i feel like there is a student film quality to this not just production wise because i can overlook uh, plenty of that and I think some of the production is actually really clever like the thing with Medea's girlfriend being in this black and white silent film world um, but I also think that the the movie goes so far as to state in the beginning zombies are used as metaphors and this is another one and then it sort of hammers that message home. And I think that maybe culturally, it, like there, a cultural context might make this more interesting. Um, but so that's kind of my big drawbacks with it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I look, I haven't seen a lot of gay male porn in fairness. Uh, it, I, <laughs> I felt like there is a way to do a scene like that in maybe a more tasteful way because at a certain part, a point you do feel like you're just watching porn and it's like, well, all right, but I wouldn't put my foot in that close to that guy's balls. That's asking for trouble. <laughs> uh and also, I, I think if you do that, then you run the risk of, or if you make a film that that just does cross the line into porn, then you are you run the risk of losing your message, or because it's like if you're in the mood for porn, you're in the mood for porn. But if you want to watch something that actually has something to say, then you typically don't go for porn. I'm sure there are some out there that have <laughs> a headier message, but. Sure, it's. The I don't know. I'm not. I actually have seen a lot of gay male porn. <laughs> That's because <laughs> I had um, I had a gay roommate for many, 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 many years, and um, that a lot. There were many, many nights where we would drink a lot of wine, and then he's like, "Hey, I want to show you something." <laughs> so <laughs> right, like look at this guy's fucking dick. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I have a long history with that, so I wasn't like shocked or anything by a it. Long, it just hard history. Um, it just <laughs> I, I felt like, are you kind of muddling? Ugh. I mean, because I read an interview with him, and he now this is now see Vanessa. I actually I went farther than just watching the movie. I I really wanted to dig into this one. Mm-hmm. Get up in it, sure. I get all up in its crevices, and I. I read an interview where with Bruce LaBruce where he was basically saying that um, um, it's about a couple things they, um, about conformity, nonconformity, you know, zombies being, you know, they're all the same, you know, the, um, so you look at them as conformists and, you know, the, and Otto is different and he's sort of a rebel. Uh, he also talked about... Um, that like the suicide rate being really high, particularly among gay teens, because they just don't feel like they they have anywhere to turn. They feel like they're all alone, and so it you know, it ends up spiraling down, and then the the suicide rate is very high. So he wanted something that could be a little more uplifting and uh, inclusive, and perhaps make them feel like they're not all alone in the world, which I think is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I think if you take that message and you wrap it around a whole bunch of cock, um, <laughs> then you sort of alienate the audience that you really want to talk about or that you really want to help because, you know, I don't know, or not necessarily or, alienate them as in they don't want to watch it, but it just makes it more difficult for them to watch it. Well, you but know? that's presuming that his target audience is hetero people. I mean, I... My no, I mean, I mean was... the gay. I mean the gay teens. I'm I'm talking about because they're teens, not because you don't think a gay, gay teen boy straight. wants to see a bunch of dudes fucking no, he, each other. No, Are you out of your he, mind? Not that he <laughs> listen. I not that he wouldn't want to, but because he's a teenager, he may not be able to. It may not be as accessible, is what I'm saying. So uh, it's, it's. I I found a, a way to watch boob porn. I mean. Where there's a will, and I guarantee you there would be a will. Well, of of course. But yeah. also, well, okay. So if you've got this, if you've got this something that you're trying to say to a particular audience, and then you distract them with a lot of porn, does is your message getting across? Yeah, I, and on you know? that point, I totally agree with you. Like, not, have you ever seen a movie called Stranger by the Lake? I don't think so. Okay. No, but that is another one on my to-watch list. Okay, so here's the the, the distinction I'll draw. That is a, a movie about uh, a, 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 a like a cruising spot on a French lake where a bunch of gay men sort of gather, and it's just a hookup place. And, you know, like people meet at the beach, and they tan a little bit, and they're, you know the more adventurous ones will just strip nude and then some dude will come over and they'll start chit-chatting and go fuck in the woods. And then, uh, someone's murdered there and the main character believes he is now in a relationship with the man who committed that murder and that he is hooked up with and keeps seeing at this lake. And it is very much about gay dudes fucking. And there are a lot of scenes of, of said fucking, but the way that it's handled, it never feels like it's necessarily done for titillation, I guess. It's more just like, hey, this is this is sort of the world that we're in in this film. 
and that is my problem with the the sex scenes in this movie the one i would like i think the scene with otto and the guy that he kind of disembowels who gives him the like can i call you you know kind of gag like i think i think all that scene feels appropriate um even even the dude fucking the guy in the side i thought was kind of funny and the fact that like this is the reveal of like not only have they come back as zombies they're gay zombies and they love fucking and uh so i thought all that was kind of funny and clever i think once it gets into the big gay orgy at the end which is you know i was gonna call it a tent pole scene but that seems so obvious um (laughs) but that's the point where it's like this feels a little excessive like even when the like when all the gay uh zombies kind of gather in the uh, abandoned rail yards to you know right. do gay zombie shit um <laughs> you know like all that stuff felt like there was a real world analogy to that of like oh yeah there's this underground community and they they're going to meet at places that uh, are kind of off the beaten path, and then they run all this risk of of just randomly getting the shit beat out of them by roving gangs of weirdos, you know? Uh, and all that stuff, I think, comes through in the movie. It's just that there's a bullhorn to it, and there is that effect of, like, I get it, I swear, I'm on your side, just give me a little bit of a lower volume to all of this, and I could get way more behind it yes, and yes. caress it potentially but um but yeah like i there's so much that i really want to like more about this movie and i think it it's sort of amateur production and and lack of restraint gets in its own way that being said like i I was kind of playing devil's advocate with jamie there about like I understand that I may not be the target audience of, for this movie by a long shot. And I could see where young gay men in Germany seeing this movie. That would, is a very specific audience. <laughs> right. But it ain't nothing. Right. Or just gay. No, no, no. You know, it's very fun. Young gay men in Germany. Germany. Or, <laughs> or young gay men the world over. Like, I guess it has international appeal. But of, you know, it's almost an extreme example of the erotic thriller of like, I'm going to go watch Bruce Willis kind of fuck this girl in a semi-explicit way (laughs) because he's the sexy psychiatrist and maybe she's crazy. And it's like those sex scenes feel out of place too because they're a little too much for the context of the movie. So. That is my point, uh, but but I I want to like it more than I do. I I, I really do, but uh, I I just think it gets in its own way a little bit too much. It steps on its own dick, as we would say. Literally, probably. Yeah, sure. Oh, there there are some guys sporting some honkers, no doubt. All right, Vanessa. Now that we have given you our heteronormative take on the film, <laughs> what? What What is your uh, take on auto or up with dead people? I agree with you on some points. Um, that, I mean, it definitely, the, the, the orgy thing wasn't necessary. 
Or it wasn't necessary to be that long. Uh, could have also cut it, you know, some of the other parts, some other parts of the film down a little bit too, make it a little bit more, a little, little bit shorter because, because I really appreciate this, you know, making fun of someone who's trying to make an art film, um, where they're, you know, you have the, the Medea character who's just so ridiculous in and of her, herself. Oh, you know? like uh, her going to buy the uh, tombstone for her girlfriend because of how gloomy and morbid it is. Like all that stuff is very funny. I think. Right, right. I mean, I, I really, I, I really appreciate that kind of thing. And her, where she's talking to the camera and she's saying, you know, it's her, you know, her dissertation on death and you know these whatever, trying to make it sound a big in. You know, the first step of revolutionary is to act against consensual reality. You know, and I think that's an interesting concept that is there. And really so much of what I think, I guess, is behind this that I appreciate and that I like can be summed up into that that point in the scene where it, it cuts into the movie within the movie and it's the gay male zombie couple sitting together having coffee and reading papers and and she says something about she does this whatever voiceover about saying that the the zombies it's a gay plague and and she's talking about this is this is the latest group of of, uh, the latest group of zombies is the homosexuals and she has this reasoning that kind of comes across as LGBTQ people being able to have equality in a quote-unquote normal life with things like marriage equality in children it is like us acting against a quote, her, in her words, a consensual reality. And, and then you kind of like step back and is the filmmaker saying that gays are being mainstream is wrong no but he's pointing out that you know we used to be considered a lot more dangerous and scary there still are certain people who find us that way rightfully so yeah well well you don't not want to catch you don't want to catch the gay yeah i know I, I i know and you know we try to recruit we, we try to recruit um mm-hmm. this is yeah you proselytize all over the place Right. Worse than fucking Baptist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's movies like this, Vanessa. <laughs> making decent straight boys look at other boys doing you know, things with true. their peepees. This is propaganda. <laughs> See, gay. <laughs> See, Bo or not- cockagander. gander. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we're not mature enough to discuss this movie clearly. <laughs> go on, no. go on, Vanessa, please. But I, but I was just saying that I appreciate that aspect of this, and that's why I think this is something that more people need to see. Is that one? It's something different with zombies. I mean, I, I, you know, I've know of no other gay zombie <laughs> thing out there. And the only other, even like we're zombie romance type thing, because there's a little love story in here, and with 
with Otto remembering his old life and who he used to be with before he was dead, um, I mean, warm bodies, mm-hmm. like, like, it's the only other thing I can think of. And I mean, that was actually surprisingly decent. I was shocked when I got someone dragged me to see that. Yeah, better than um, you, th- you think it ought to be. I yeah. really, I'm glad I got to see it for free, but still, I was, I thought it was going to be completely terrible. But it, it's an interesting concept of what is, what about this state between, I mean, completely dead, not coming back from the grave, and then the walking dead. And what is the, what it happens if this Walking Dead starts having a certain amount of consciousness? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, like everything you're saying, I totally agree with. I just wish it gelled a little bit more. I, I wish yeah, it were I, a little yeah. more easily consumable. You I, know, I, I, I wish it went and- <laughs> down my throat better. <laughs> <laughs> Try some lube. <laughs> I know I I have to learn to swallow exactly, though. That's exactly my point too is that it, it it's not the, the themes or the discussions to be had that I have an issue with with this film. It's definitely it's solely in the presentation. I, I think it's a little hard to swallow at times. But this is fun. I like <laughs> Yeah. Um double no, entendre is good. It's not a perfect movie by any by any means. I totally recognize that, but I like it. Um, you know, I don't love it, but I like it. Yeah, it's. I just just because it's it's. I think this different. is important. It's so thing, different, and I wish I wish it was better represented. I guess is is what I would like because I think yeah, it deserves but... to be better represented, but. One thing that he said in the interview that I read that I thought was an interesting thing for him to say was that um, he, and, and again, I'm, this is not word for word because I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically, uh, he was talking about the conformist portion and how basically he wants queer people to know that that isn't, being queer is an opportunity, and these are, that was his words, is an opportunity to be different. And I, I think that's an odd well, way to look at it because, honest, I mean, I feel like everyone should take the opportunity to be an individual. And that kind, of, that kind of feels like he's saying because you're gay, you have an obligation. Uh, the way he put it forth, it seemed a little more like you have to do this. And... Are you know. saying it's reverse gay no, bashing? I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. There is a certain portion of the queer, and I'm using queer right now as an abbreviation for LGBTQ, um, like umbrella. Right. Uh, the queer community. There is a portion of the queer community that feels like, why should we now that? same-sex marriage is legal and same-sex adoption is legal, although now that's a lot of that's being repealed. That's beside the point. Um, but it, that we have those rights um, that, okay, this, it's like we sh- should miss the days where we couldn't do that. And honestly, I fall into the camp of, just like, just like straight people, whatever, 
have whatever kind of relationship you want. It shouldn't matter. And it should be right. legal if you want it that way. You shouldn't be obligated one way or the other. I mean, stop laying that out there. But I know I'm also, I kind of take pride in the fact of, yeah, I was pointed out <laughs> like in a certain way. It was a badge of honor that I, the shit that I had to go through mm. to get to this point where I was considered such an oddball for being just because I'm gay. Like it's and there's a certain amount of people who are my age who have forgotten that sense of their identity that they don't right. see it as, you know, yes, it's great that we have the can do these things, but. Don't forget that this is still who you are and where you what you've gone through, like, and you survived that, mm -hmm. you know. And this is something that it's just a different experience. And why deny yourself? Why accept your different, you know, experience? Now, and that is a good point. I do get, and I think possibly some of where I'm coming from comes from the fact that. I've never been a person who sees it as anything all that different, you know? To me, a gay couple and a straight couple are, they're both just couples. Um, I, ha I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to use this term anymore, uh, but it was perfectly okay when I was in my 20s. And I, it, so oh, jeez. I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> now, I was, a, I was a straight up fag hag in my 20s. This was... Nothing, there was nothing weird about it. There was nothing bizarre about it. There was nothing, like, I don't look at gay people and go, oh, they're so, you know, I I've never done that. I don't get that mentality. People are people. And so maybe that's why I see it the way I do, because I've never seen anything wrong with it to begin with. Um, you were I don't, woke before there was woke? I, well, God, I hate that term. I don't... <laughs> I just don't think, I've never thought that allowing people to be happy was a big fucking deal, you know? Well, <laughs> like, exactly. Why exactly. should it be? You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's not. And, and I always was pissed. I remember when I was about 11 years old, um, our preacher at church was, and I went to a Baptist church when I was little, um, was, he was retiring. So we were bringing in interim preachers to, kind of do their thing for a week and then as a congregation we were going to decide who we were going to bring in. I used to always sit in the front row with my friends and um, this guy, first thing, I swear out of his mouth, I, I don't even get how you lead off a sermon with this, but basically the first thing out of his mouth was that all homosexuals are going straight to hell. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like 11 years old I got up from the front row and walked right out. And at that point, I hadn't had a great deal of personal exposure to gay people. I was only 11. I, hadn't, hadn't, I didn't have a lot of personal exposure to people in general. But I did have an uncle who was gay at that time. And, well, he was always gay until he died. But, I mean, <laughs> at that time of my life. Um, and I was like, what? The hell? I mean, because even though I was at that point, I had been indoctrinated. I was a Christian. You know, I was raised Baptist. I, above everything else, I believed that God 
was the final decision maker, that God made these judgments, that we as humans don't have that right. And um, that the fact that he was standing up there on his pulpit making broad judgments that he had no place, no business making, I was like, nope, I'm out of here. And that's always been the mentality that I've had, particularly to um, those who bring up religion as a reason for having, you know, for being anti-gay. And I'm like, that's none of your business. You know, even when I was religious, which I no longer am, but even when I was religious, it was like, that's none of your business. That's between them and God. And you have nothing to do with it. So just do your thing, live your life, and, you know, worry about keeping yourself going to heaven. Don't worry about anybody else. And it's just, I don't get that. No one, they're... You can send contributions to the Church of Jamie. <laughs> well, people aren't bothering you. Why is it a, why do you care so much? Why do you have to have exactly. your, your, your fingers all up in everybody else's bedrooms? It's, it's, or their lives in general. Just Agreed. leave them the fuck alone. And I've just, I, I never got it. You know, I never, ever, ever got it. And um, I don't know if you guys remember this or if it even was a thing where you were at the time. But I was probably fresh out of high school. And I was in college. And so, but I still knew some people who were in high school. And there was a period, and this was like mid-90s, where it was sort of in vogue to be gay. Um. And there were, there were kids who were claiming to be gay or bisexual, or and they weren't. I mean, it, it was just a thing. It was because it was the cool thing to do, <laughs> to be. And um, I always thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> like, what? what? I mean, and I guess it was because they were seeing it as sort of a rebellious thing. Um, I mean, mid-90s, we're talking about... I mean, it was still considered a big deal. I remember when Ellen came out and uh, lost, like, all of her sponsors. Yeah. Um, people freaked out. And I'm like, and at the time, I was confused by that. I'm like, because we've had gay television characters before. And now she's so beloved. Um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> weather that storm, sister. And she did, you know, and uh, I absolutely love her. But um, it... it it's so weird to me now to think back on times like that where it was something so out of the norm to some people, some something so just bizarre. And there were kids who were actually doing that or saying they were gay because they were being, this was their rebellious stage. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> what? <laughs> Whatever. Right. But that, um, uh, But that's just, you know, a backhanded form of discrimination where you're still, classifying oh, it, it as an other it wouldn't have been seen as rebellious by them if they didn't think there was something wrong with it you know if they didn't think that it was an outlier you know that's like the girl who purposely goes out with the punk guy on the motorcycle that her parents can't stand you know it's like oh well, i'll show you well then these kids are like well i'll show you i'm gay you know so clearly yeah. they thought there was something wrong with it or they wouldn't have used it as such a um an extreme uh, rebellious this thing i don't know or a rebellion but, i've heard it both uh, ways. rebel thank you thank you thank you yes <laughs> um, 
Did you guys, I mean, we're about the same age. Did you guys experience any of that? Or just was that just a where I was from kind of thing? Um, I didn't know anybody, but I'm sure there were some people who did. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I unfortunately did not grow up in a place where even within certain cliques, it would have been cool to be gay. Um, but I'm also yeah. probably the oldest here, so I might be older than you. So oh well. Um, well, and even both, you're much, not. Though. You're only like a year older than me. <laughs> yeah, I I know, but I I just can't think of a time. But uh, you know, again, I you know, I'm I'm going to a high school in relatively rural Tennessee where the masculinity is as toxic as you like it. No, that's true. And I'm talking about city of Atlanta. Right. I mean, there was nothing cosmopolitan about Clarksville, Tennessee. Yeah. I grew up in city of about 200,000 people in the second largest city in Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what, so uh, it was a little bit more quote unquote liberal, but (laughs) I mean, relatively speaking, (laughs) right. Relative to lynching Alabama and the Bible belt. Yeah. (laughs) have more catholics down there (laughs) (laughs) yeah like uh, alabama is a place where you can get shit for being irish you know much less gay which part of my family used to get yeah (laughs) yeah right like oh that's a fucked up state um (laughs) yeah like you want to get worse in alabama you got to go to mississippi Mississippi. that's how bad alabama (laughs) is you're mississippi who just in the past uh, shit. When was it that they finally repealed slavery? Like 2001 or yeah. 99 or something like, like that? Something outrageous. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, by the way can, do people still say fag hag? Yes. Okay. No, I consider myself a fag hag as well. And okay. I worked in theater and, you know, what well, you're saying, you saw a lot of gay male porn. As I, ha- I mean, I have seen quite a bit in my day, too. Partly from friends of mine and partly working in theater and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went to gay clubs. I went to drag shows. I like put together events. It, yeah. It mm-hmm. was. But Atlanta is a totally uh, different. It is. And that was, that also was Atlanta, Atlanta into Athens and Athens was also very, um, very open mind, very liberal. Cause that's the university of Georgia's there. So it's, it's college town. They tend to be a little more. On the liberal side, so that well, was very good. Athens and Atlanta was incredible. There it was we. I don't know if it's still there, but there used to be this amazing store called Brushstrokes in Atlanta, and they just had the coolest shit. And um, if anybody out there's in Atlanta, let me know if it's still there. It was a gay store, <laughs> but um, okay. Anyway, um, what so, do you? Yeah. All right, let me ask a dumb question. What do you buy at the gay store? <laughs> Well, it, well, what when I mean, don't you it buy? Was, it was it <laughs> right, was owned like by smart it, outfits. <laughs> it was just a, um, just a general like they had art supplies, but they also had greeting cards and I mean, just all kinds of. Oh, okay, I see what you're gay saying. General owned. merchandise, but it with was a gay, gay owned. owned? Oh. Yes, yeah, and it was gay owned. Okay, so, that makes more sense. It was then. like a a book and gift store. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. But you could get, you know, yeah, like bumper stickers or yeah. whatever, books, T-shirts, just, you know, various things. But, um... Okay. I just, I, I didn't get all that from the gay store. <laughs> I was like, 
store. Yeah. You can go oh, there and well, buy your own, buy your very own gay. <laughs> there are various kinds of gay stores. I'm sorry, you may think they're all the same, but they're actually different. Right. Like, because the first thing I think of is like, like a butt plug. <laughs> they might have had those there too. Uh, right. Potentially, but that's a totally different store than greeting cards. Maybe, maybe a get well card. I don't know. My sex store up here has greeting cards. You wouldn't probably yeah. want to send them to your mama, but they have them. Sorry about the lacerations. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. So, <laughs> before we, we grade the film, uh, anyone have anything final to say about the movie itself? Auto or up uh, with dead people? No. All right. Then let us turn to uh, grading the film. Uh, once again, five uh, star scale. Uh, half stars allowed. Uh, I'll tell you what, Vanessa, you can go last again. Jamie, what uh, would you give Bruce LaBruce's auto or, or up with dead people? Oh. Well... Oh, sadly, I can't give it, I can't quite give it a liked it. I, while I think some of the things it had to say were great, I do feel that the presentation was really loud and very just in your, like hammering it home and I, it was a little much. Um, so I'm going to have to say 2.5. All right. Uh, 2.5. Hey, that ain't, that ain't too shabby. Um, I'm actually, eh, maybe it's a personal interpretation of the scale. I'm more of a two star person on this film, uh, for much of the same reasons. It's more like, I don't know that I would recommend this to someone. I wish I could. Um, but I like where the movie's heads at most of the time. I don't know. I could be, maybe I am a 2.5. I think I've come around on it. Yeah, they got a little extra credit I, just for that whole split screen, split screen silent movie thing, which I got a kick out of. I yeah, don't, I don't and, necessarily know what the purpose was, uh, but I kind of. And I really it. like a good pretentious German philosopher, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm there as well. Um, yeah, two and a half stars. I, Again, I just with the caveat, this is for my own peace of mind. Don't send me no uh, emails about how I recommended a movie to you and you saw a bunch of dicks and it upset you. There are a bunch of yeah. dicks in this movie to reinforce the idea, uh, to stretch it out, possibly tickle its balls. Um, <laughs> yes, be, be aware, heavy gay male uh, sex content. It, uh, otherwise... It, uh, it you know. If anyone has listened to this discussion and they have failed to get the fact that there's a lot of dick in this movie, hey, <laughs> that I've, is solely on them. I've gotten some <laughs> dumb emails over over the years, and <laughs> I try. I, I like to think I know when well, to head it off at the pass. And I warned you guys even last episode that there was going to be a lot of cock. Yeah, sure. you did. Yeah, I didn't remember. I that, warned though. everybody ahead of time. I didn't remember that until after the fact. <laughs> so I was warned. I didn't like, want to spoil oh. the fact of you know, gay zombie orgy. But I mean, you got to experience that for yourself. But 
<laughs> I, I'm telling you, that foot under the balls is lingering in my memory. It will be for some time. Because, again, I was like, you are going to hurt him. Be careful, for, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> I wish I had a screenshot of a, a screenshot, a a selfie of my face when guys started fucking the hole in the other guy's stomach. Because I was like, oh, uh, well, sure. That's, that's, why not? I was pretty on board at that point. I was like, all right. I have never seen that before. All right. All right. So enough of, of uh, Jamie and I, Vanessa. Um, I know that I'm more generous than you guys on this one, but I really, the, the themes and the just, and the, I don't know, artsy visuals, whatever that, that goes a long way for me. Um, and I don't know, this is just, it's, I haven't seen anything like this. And I really, that's one thing I really enjoy about the movie. Um, so I'm going to say, uh, 3.5 all right all right i think I, I think that's respectable and and again i you know not to not to diminish the film itself but i do think that if i were gay i would i would be much fonder of this film just because it would be some representation in a genre that has so precious little um and maybe that's part of why I'm drawn to it. Even though I'm not a gay male, I'm still, I mean, queer. Yeah, well, yeah. And and I do I do think that that's something we do need to see more of, you know, at least from the It was actually a queer perspective. Woman, it was actually a trans woman who turned me on to this film. That would be a fascinating conversation. Incidentally, I will say they pulled off the the zombie. Have a fascinating conversation. <laughs> yeah. sure. I will say they pulled off the zombie orgy better than I have seen in straight porn. Um, because I did actually see a zombie orgy in straight porn, but in that one, they were wearing green body makeup and it was getting everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they did a really poor job. <laughs> I, yeah, I've seen a little bit of now. <sighs> By a little bit, I mean one, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Admit it's more like ten. <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to think. Like, am I telling the truth about this? Maybe, <laughs> maybe two. But like, one was a, a, a for real, not for real. It was more of a feature length film, and I think maybe you sprinkle in a random video somewhere in there. But um, you're, I think you're right, Jamie. I think zombie porn in general is mostly kind of shitty because. Part of me is like, I don't think zombies should be getting up uh, for getting down. You know, I think <laughs> there is something about being a rotting corpse uh, that should make that inadvisable, if not impossible. Yeah. But, hey. Well, did you ever see that movie, I, Zombie? The um, the older one from Fangoria. Where yeah. The, um, where he's he's jerking off and his whole dick just pops off. Yep. Yep. That's some uh, scary shit right there. Sure. Always the danger of being a zombie having sex. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Not for the uh ones in this film though. <laughs> no, they no, they were they didn't care. <laughs> I will say too, I thought Otto's makeup looked really cool. Yeah. I liked his look. Yeah. I and I think he's yeah. all right in this movie. I think he does a good job yeah. with the physicality mm-hmm. of it all. 
Um, all right, well, <laughs> that is Otto or Up With Dead People. Uh, we're going to take our final break, and we'll be right back to close out the show. Doms and subs, masters, mistresses, and slaves, owners and pets, daddies, mommies, and littles, primals and prey, switches, heathens, kinksters and deviants, welcome to Legion After Dark. Legion After Dark is a movie review podcast with a kinky twist. I'm your host, Lady M, and every episode I'll be reviewing a movie with a BDSM or kink theme. I'll also be talking about books, sex toys, bondage equipment, all the fun things that make life grand. I'll be featuring a different kink each episode, and I'll even give you a song to scene to. So join us on Legion After Dark, coming soon to Legion Podcast Network. Any any final parting thoughts uh, on anything we've discussed tonight, anyone? And also, by the way, uh, how about we hear where people can hear more out of you? Uh, let's start with Jamie, because this will take a while. Well, every Wednesday, we have episodes of the Married with Children podcast to drop. Tomorrow is dropping the 75th episode of the Married with Children podcast over on Horrorphilia Network. Also, uh, you can hear me on the Cinema Beef podcast, where for Father's Day, we just covered Over the Top and Real Steel. Two movies that are basically the exact same movie. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that's a great pairing. That's kind of the same movie. It's the exact, I mean, like, beat yeah, for beat. Yeah, I was going to say, if memory serves correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, which I thought was interesting because I'd never seen Real Steel before. So I'm watching it going, wow, this is over the top. <laughs> But that was a fun show. Brian joined us for that episode, so that was fun. Uh, also, um, of course, uh, you can hear us on Evil Episodes. And then sometime soon we should have a new ABCs coming out. But Dave just moved into a new house, and you know his schedule's been all in an uproar, and my schedule's been all in an uproar. So we're having difficulty getting that together. But hopefully we will be able to nail that down sometime soon and get a new ABCs out. But... For right now, just the old standards. All right. Uh, Vanessa, Vanessa, I have somehow made you more Mediterranean. Sure. Vanessa, please tell the people. I don't even know what this accent is. Sorry. So, Vanessa. <laughs> I'm not sure either. <laughs> uh, yeah, it started as a bit Spanish and then went German. Oh, it went off the rail so fast. I think. A, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was basically doing uh, that thing bit where like sampling a little bit of every form I've taken uh, very quickly. I think uh, you were just covering all of Western Europe. Yeah, well, you know, I I think that all of Europe is pretty much like one Montana. <laughs> <laughs> but Venezia is for realsies. 
Um, where can people find more from you? Uh, I am usually or always at the VD Clinic podcast, not the actual clinic. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always hanging out at the VD Clinic, <laughs> making that distinction. Um, so I've a lot of sex jokes tonight. I'm really all for it. <laughs> Yeah, um, we covered, uh, we just recorded our Pride episode, which should be out, uh, well, which will be out before the end of June, and it's Pills and Pillows is what we call it, it's Jacqueline Suzanne's novel Valley of the Dolls, and the Russ Meyer film Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and we are joined by Mr. Court uh, Psyops for that, Um, for, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Worth mentioning, written by Roger Ebert, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And um, and then I guested over at the Psycho Semanticast with Darren and we, we hit, and uh, with the guys from Friday, Friday the 13th for Pride. We talked about Rules of Attraction, and that's all, that's been out already for a couple weeks, but we had a lot of fun doing that, so that's what's out there right now. Right on. Uh, and as for me, as always, all things uh, both related to myself and uh, so many other fine uh, people do on podcasting, uh, that, head over to legionpodcasts.com uh, where you can find this show and many others uh, that, uh, as we mentioned earlier, cover a wide range of topics. And I would point out my own, uh, tooting my own horn a little bit. Um, the last episode of season one of pick six movies will be dropping, uh, probably about the day before this drops. And I've had a great time doing that show. Uh, if you want to hear something not really, uh, exclusively horror related. In fact, the first season has no horror, but is about kind of bad movies and maybe paying too much attention to them. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing that. So I think that's going to do it. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next month with Hereditary and a film to be named uh, the next time we do The Wheel of Devour, which should be in about a week. So, um, yeah, join us for that, and we will see you next time on episode 128 of Devour the Podcast. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.
แล้ว